Hello, everybody, and welcome back. This is the Fear Response Podcast, where horror and mental health meet. I'm Jenna, and I am a registered nurse with a certification in mental health and addictions. And I am John, and I'm a trained therapist and now oversee a team of counselors. And I'm Steve. I'm a mechanic. (laughs) Yes. Welcome, Steve. We're so thrilled to be delivering our second Virgin Sacrifice episode. And Steve's the virgin. And Steve's the virgin. Yeah, still quite virginal. Yeah, thank you in a strange way for having me back. Yeah. Yeah, sorry and thank you. Yes, and I wanted to say, you know, we really do appreciate it, Steve. And um, Well, you know what? I was just starting to have good sleeps from the Babadook, so I figured let's uh, let's change that. Well, yeah, it's about time to mess that up. Yeah, That's what I told him. I said, well, we can't have that. Right? It's been too long. And I was saying, you know, you're you're the bravest boy. And I said, uh, you know, to drop some kind of counseling knowledge on you, and forgive me, I usually work with youth, so I'm just going to turn my ball cap backwards really quickly. And his chair is also backwards. For, for the, the audience, yeah. my chair is already backwards. Uh, it's a high back chair. It's right in my face. And, you know, what I like to tell people is that when we're looking at something like anxiety, we might have the perception that a person who doesn't feel afraid is the brave one. But really, what I like to say is you can't be brave unless you're afraid, right? Because mm-hmm. well, thank you for that. if watching a movie doesn't scare you one bit, then who cares? You'll right. watch it a thousand times, right? Absolutely. You are really scared of these movies <laughs> and you're still willing to kind of do this episode with us and kind of psych yourself up to do it. So we really do appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. It's, yeah, uh, you're it's not quite fearless, the rush. You're courageous. Well, thank you so much. I enjoy it. And I was talking to my husband about doing another one of these and he's like, but why is he doing it? Why is he doing it? I'm like, because he's very generous, very nice to us. Yeah, he's got some serious empathy. So we're going to be speaking about a movie today very near and dear to my heart. It is The Ring from 2002. So this is a modern one by our standards. By our standards. Anything yeah. after 2000, we're going to That call was our cutoff, yeah. Helps us to stay young, you know? <laughs> and we understand that this is a remake. So yes. the original was... It is. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. The original is called Ringu or Ring, and it comes from Hideo uh, Nakata, uh, who's the director, and um, featured the character of Sadako rather than uh, Samara. Samara. And so it's oh. from uh, a really popular genre called J-horror, which is yeah. Japanese horror. Which got big, and like The Grudge is also a oh, remake. i heard of that one, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, this is the remake. I'm sure we'll watch the original sometime, and it would be new for us. Um, I, I'm sure a lot of people, you know, would prefer the original, but this remake came out at a very transitional time for me and I remember seeing it and it really stuck with me so I was telling Steve earlier I remember being out to dinner with our whole family aunts and uncles included and it felt like it was already so late like it was pitch black out and everything we were out eating and our cousin Ken decided that you know he was going to go see this movie and so I asked if I could go wasn't Hmm. technically old enough to see it I don't think but Ken was four or five years older than me and haven't checked in with him sometime, but I think he still is. <laughs> yeah. And 
he took me and I just remember being absolutely horrified, but there was also something special about it. I was going to say, were you, I, I thought that you were going to say that you remember being thrilled about it. Cause I would have thought I if was, I were in your I shoes, I would have thought that was the coolest thing ever. Look at me, check me out. Yeah. Like how with my other cousin that I was talking about, I watched Silence of the Lambs with her in her basement. That made me feel like one of the big kids. I remember having to leave an elementary school Halloween <laughs> party because the, they were watching the ring. So this, the fear of horror movies is nothing it new for me it was even the ring oh at it was the, time? the ring yeah it was it was brand new at the <laughs> you, time you've come so. full circle i know and i remember being like well that's the night for me everyone's in the living room watching it and just like not a chance there were girls there and everything <laughs> yeah. and you're like unfortunately nope. yeah. i must retire yeah absolutely there were, there were girls there i know <laughs> I mean, yeah so i mean you, you know you can't escape it the ring came back and got you in your adult life and now for your sins of being our friend here you I are. Have you have to watch I have it. To watch it. <laughs> You're being pressured. And sat into down it. and told to watch it. <laughs> so yeah, um, this is the second time around for Brave Steve. The first episode we did was <laughs> the Babadook. Yeah, we call him. We're bound to call him that. It was in his rider. Contractually <laughs> obligated. Yeah. No brown M and M's and Brave Steve. <laughs> <laughs> so I was wondering, kind of knowing what you went through last time, what was the lead up to this one like? Was was it better because there were less unknowns, or, or what? What did you feel this time? It was funny when you messaged and said, you know, I think we'd like to do another episode. It was, I, I get the feeling that the people in this movie get, because it was like a countdown for me. Like my heart started <laughs> racing. I like, okay, I know it's coming. Like going to be brave here. And you gave me the options of movies and yep. from talking with a few friends at work and that kind of stuff. I didn't want to watch any trailers because I didn't want to get a, perhaps a spoiler or something yeah. from the movie. So decided upon the ring and it was I, I obviously knew about it from having to leave a party when I was younger so even I have traumatic <laughs> memories it of it yeah absolutely so I think you dodged a bullet in terms of your choices with the the recovery period because the yeah. other one that was an option for you is more intense in my opinion yeah so I mean we've been considering hereditary and I think oh, one yeah. day we will watch it with Steve but Jenna oh, makes poor, a good I'm point. I'm so sorry, Steve. It's, it's a heavy. <laughs> Jenna okay. makes a good point that it's not just scary. It's like oh, emotionally it's devastating. Fraught, right? <laughs> You're going to have to take like the next day off work, take a personal day. Like the Babadook was, it had some that pretty heavy, heavy, had some heavy moments, like more so. I agree. More so. More so. They go after Ooh, the family like, themes harder. Like the most of any horror movie I've seen. Not any horror movie I've heard of because I haven't sure. watched like Martyrs or anything sure. like that. Would you agree that it's maybe the heaviest that, that you can that think of? That comes to mind, for sure. For me, it's For it sure. Is. Maybe one of the later installments of Friday the 13th or something. But they hit in terms hard, of family drama, sure. yeah, like Jason Takes Manhattan, mm. like we referenced last time, right? <laughs> That's a movie? <laughs> Which is a real movie. It stays yeah, with you. It really yeah, it's is a real, real one. Yeah, so we're very excited to talk about this movie. And like we said, uh, you know, especially for me, it was a very important kind of formative movie in terms of my love of horror, but in the modern sense, not the omen and the exorcist mm. that we saw when we were younger, but one that, you know, when I was a kid, it was very of the moment and, and you would have been like, you would have been probably like seeing the trailer on TV, hearing about people yes. going to see it. So for that reason, it's kind of like an exciting thing. And for me, my parallel to that is like uh, paranormal activity was that sure. I think I was like, good movie. I think I was maybe in grade eight or grade nine when that one came out. So that was like, Ooh, just kind of able yep. to yeah. see like 14 a movies in the theater and that kind of thing. So that's what it was for me. Do you recall what like the week was like after the first time you watched The Ring? Like you were young. That must have really just like. No, I can't. No? Okay. Well, that's out. good then. It, yeah. yeah. Uh, probably had a bit of a fugue. <laughs> yeah, he was in a fugue state following that. <laughs> but I remember just being absolutely terrified watching through my fingers pretty much, you know, but mm. li liked it though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I enjoyed so strange, the experience. Yeah. What a weirdo, eh? I guess it hits for something different, right? A thrill. Yeah. I would say. I would say. 
Like I was saying, like the hallway. That ha- as soon as the movie started, I said that hallway is no good. <laughs> like I, I did not like just to look down the hallway. They would wait just a little bit too long on the pans across. And I'm yes, like, mm-hmm. something is happening down. Well, here. and you know what? It's in those things. It's all about the negative space because you think they're setting up a, a jump scare. And during that hallway scene, like one doesn't necessarily come. You're no, like. Never- you know, she opens the fridge worse. door and you can't see down the hallway mm. and then she closes it, but no one's there. You know what I mean? yeah. <laughs> worse, far worse. Um, okay. So yes, let's get into it. Um, because I do want to talk about the opening scene. Yeah, so, I agree. Jenna, why don't you kind of take us through the opening scene a little bit and maybe what you think about it. Mm-hmm. I was interested to hear Steve that you were so unsettled by the very, very, very opening. Very, very first <laughs> Because scene. when I said something was scary to me, that's within like the first two minutes, you said I was scared way before that. I was like, there's not much before that. <laughs> but the way it begins is two girls after school hanging out in the one girl's house. And it seems like a very familiar scene to many, many people. Dark raining. Dark raining outside. I think it's in Seattle. I think it's set. So there's a lot of rain, very atmospheric. Not to be a douchebag, but it's almost like the rain is a character in this movie. Oh my you know gosh, that's so insightful. <laughs> um, and so these two teenage girls are hanging out, watching TV, talking about boys. And then one of them starts talking about a rumor about a videotape that kills you after having watched it. Have you heard about this videotape that kills you when you watch it? What kind of tape? A tape, a regular tape. People run it, I don't know. You start to play it and it's like somebody's nightmare. And suddenly, this woman comes on, smiling at you, right? Seeing you through the screen. And as soon as it's over, your phone rings. Someone knows you've watched it. And the one girl kind of goes very somber in her expression and reveals that she thinks she watched that tape. Terrified. Uh, yes. At that point. At that, <laughs> as you should be. That's what the that's what they up. intended. And then kind of fakes like as if she was dying and is able to laugh about it at that point. Well, that's one thing I found. They really go back and forth a lot with the teasing. It's like Becca is Becca's kind of scaring her like, ooh, there's this tape and blah, blah. And, and, then and Katie's scared. Yeah. And then Katie decides to fake her death to scare Becca. And then when the phone rings later, Becca picks up the phone and she's like, oh, it's for you. And then it's her mom. Like they go back and forth teasing each other so much. I'm like, is anyone taking this seriously? Such a, such a high stakes relationship between them. They're always joshing each other. Well, it's certain death. Not to mention that Katie really did watch the tape and someone really did call and say you're going to die in seven days. Like, well, is exactly. she really going to joke? I think that she is being much more casual than we later see Rachel to be and I, I even Noah so to be. Well, maybe that's and, why she didn't figure it out. And we could assume that she went through the same kind of like spooky experiences. I feel like she didn't didn't really hit as hard. But when her friend told her, she's like, oh, I heard about this. And it's like, oh, shit. Oh, other people know about Wait it. Maybe it's a real thing. Yeah. For sure, right? Maybe Katie's just got ice in her veins. Maybe. Maybe she's a stone cold Bitch. (laughs) (laughs) And then tries to, let's go find her Vicodin. Yeah, so that was a bit of a... I missed that. So that was a scene that was a bit jarring for Steve and I. She's just like casually like, ask your mom where she keeps the Vicodin. And we're like, oh man. It's a very strange early 2000s. The teenagers in this film are so tragic. (laughs) Yeah. Right? And Katie's kind of walking through the hallways. Weird stuff's happening. The TV kicks on with the static. Yep. What did you think of the static kind of as an effect in the movie too? It... When it turned on the second time, it worked. Like my, my, my heart just <laughs> yeah, dropped, yeah. dropped again. Um, and the, the reoccurring of the static, just it's every time it just hit that mm-hmm. much harder because you knew what was behind it and knew what was coming. It was, oh, yeah. 
So lots of ha- like haunted house style vibes. Mm-hmm. When Katie's going around, she thinks she hears something. She thinks mm-hmm. she sees something. Um, she walks up and there's water on the floor outside of her bedroom. Mm-hmm. So I was curious what you guys thought about the water. Like, did, did that work for you too? Did you think that was cool or, or kind of creepy? Did it did it work in that way that they wanted it to? I thought the friend was drowned in the bathroom. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Horror movie, right? It, I just always assume the worst out of everything. Your so like, takes on things always surprise me because I've seen these movies. So I'm trying to think, you said something about the Babadook too, when you thought that she was going to die too. I was mm-hmm. like, oh man, it didn't even occur to me that someone would guess that. Well, and I agree because remember when we were with Steve watching the Babadook and the first scene in the old folks home? He was like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, he thought some really bad stuff was going to go down to these old folks. And it's like, that certainly could have happened. He's yep. right, but... You just don't trust one frame of the movie. Not a single thing. <laughs> That's true. Like, they're out to scare me? Like, yeah. Don't trust the credits. You nope. don't trust anything. Yeah. About the water, I yeah, was going to yeah. say that. So for me, I was like kind of looking it up after to see like, so what is the whole thing with the videotape? Because there's right. so much, so many little bits and bobs in the story here to tie the whole mystery together. And I was like, so why... Why the videotape? Why the water? What's wrong with this girl? What is all this stuff? And so I looked it up. And it, um, it was like, uh, apparently she's basically, the body of Samara basically houses like the spirit of a sea demon. So that's what the water... Whoa. I, really? I googled it. Yeah. And that's probably from Ringu. Like that's probably uh, from that the original lore. It's not text in the movie. Wild. I was going to say, that's at like no deep, point in the movie does it get no, any inclination no, of that. It's like deep subtext. It's like Cimmerillion kind of thing to the Lord of the Rings. Wow. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, like, so apparently that's more or less that uh, Samara's like, she's just evil because there's a a demon in her and she Mm. doesn't have control over it, but she's just bad. I think the water's good because it ties everything together. Yeah. The well, the island, her Uh, Other than a TV, it's the most Samara thing in the movie. A TV, a phone, and the water, Mm -hmm. right? So yeah, this was a very cool scene, I thought. And it kind of felt scream- like to me because they're establishing the kind of threat and they have this quick scene that introduces these characters and very quickly they get victimized one of them dies right so it kind of reminded me of the drew barrymore scene from Mm. scream a little bit Mm. and it just kind of gets us right into it we know what the stakes are we know what the risk is we know how the tape works classic horror movie thing totally it's teenagers and i thought introducing the tape as like a rumor that had gone along mm. through the kids mm. was really good. Right. Good way to introduce, like, this is the tape. This is how it works. This is what happens to you mm. after you watch it. Like, And then we're right along for the ride just really that fast, right? Mm-hmm. And so we pretty quickly see her die. And then the next thing we see, well, we see, we see her screaming face. And it, like, does zooms the screech in. sound and zooms right in on her, right? And then we're with Rachel. Yes. And when she does die, they like flash a few scenes from the tape really quickly too, mm. which is a cool effect. They do, like they do that like subliminal, right? I was yes. going to say almost subliminally, they do that a few times throughout the movie. And you know what I think that that is almost like trying to leave the audience with is it almost feels like you watch the tape and that you're in danger, right? I agree with you. 100%. They're, they're unsettling us with it. Yeah. And they're, they're like, mm, this tape kills weird. people and here you are watching all these you scenes from dummy. it. Yeah. We gotcha. Um, so, yeah, we're introduced to Aiden first. He's waiting at school, and he's the last kid there, hmm. and he's just kind of working on his drawings and stuff. Um, Mom's storming in. She's, like, ripping someone's head off on the phone. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, you tell the mayor. That, yeah, you know, just come coming in real hot. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I assume the kid was in detention because he's there. He's there so late. But well, it, that's the thing. Like, no, just bad mom. Just horrible. Yeah, mom. yeah, and and so they're trying to. You think they're trying to establish some like drowning working mom, single mom kind of vibes there. Like just saying she's busy. She can barely hold it together. That you know sort of what? Thing. I get the impression from her, and maybe this is um, ungenerous, but not that she's drowning, but more that she's less focused on her kid than more career focused. Absolutely. Not that she's like overwhelmed, but yep. just that her career. Self-inflicted maybe. busy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like, fair enough. She is very driven. Because she doesn't seem at any point to me to be like that she begrudges her job and feels like she's not spending enough time with Aiden or anything mm-hmm. like that. She just likes her job. Yeah, he's yeah. like, oh, this kid, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. damn. Yeah. And they do establish that, you know, that the way she is at work and that she's um, very hardcore, and, and she's and got this like chippy relationship with her boss. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but like chippy, fun, that's in a, a great fun way. way. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, you're fired. Hey, your mom's dead. Yeah, you know, <laughs> just things, things like, like that that, that pe- people joke pay. about. Um, and so I, a few things there. I'm like, they established that Katie, his cousin, who died, was his best friend. And I'm like, you got this kid at fucking school three days after his yeah. best friend died? And cousin, very, very you close. Know, who babysat him unites What are you doing? Mm-hmm. I'm like, give the kid a break. Like, what's he even doing there? And now you're not picking him up until, like, way after the end of the day? And also, like, her niece died. And yeah. she, she seems to be more like, uh, someone close to my sister died. Yeah. Not like, okay, she's well, not close very to you close either. Very close to your sister. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. So, yeah, I thought that, like, some of these things were a little harsh, but we do get to one of my favorite tropes oh, in the world, this. right, where the teacher, very concerned, presents, <laughs> presents. These drawings. Well, yeah. Yeah, so I, I love that, and that's something that's happened to me many times in my own work. Just working with youth, you're bound to be asked those questions about the kids' art, and generally speaking, it makes me laugh because... It's usually very benign and, you know, Mm. I don't actually get concerned about what I'm seeing because kids just express themselves in so many different ways. And so I'm usually like, oh, you know, I see what you mean. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that with me. But it doesn't really make me too concerned. Mm -hmm. And in this particular case, like he's drawing his cousin buried in the ground. His cousin's dead. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's that's a perfectly okay thing. In my opinion, this is just me speaking personally. Your kid's processing something. They're drawing it. Oh, you yeah, know what I mean? Big time. But do you remember what the teacher says about it? Yeah, and then there is the little loophole that he started doing it like a week ago and she only died three days ago. <laughs> oh, yeah, so it's like, well, that's, that's a little weird. The guys are saying all these things like they're little. Like, my heart sunk again <laughs> no, at this point. No. Like, You're like, he these, didn't. These aren't the little things. These are the things that just slowly build the terror. Yeah, that's the way it goes. <laughs> I watched it last night, by the way, so this is still very still fresh. Right. Like, yes, you did. Yeah. John and I watched it last night and had a great time. And my family's uh, out right now. So we watched this movie, great time. And he leaves and I'm in this house all alone, <laughs> terrifying noises. Yeah, without your, your six-year-old to protect you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's far braver than I am. So I was curious too, like, was your guy's interpretation that Aiden has some kind of connection to Samara? Because he was able to perceive that his cousin was going to die. Is that because she told him? Yeah, she said that. She said she, she didn't have enough time. No, she said... He she said, said Katie said she was going to die. Okay, right? so she told him. Yes, yes why. she told okay. him. But then he has a connection with Samara after he's... D- he'd watch the video, though, yeah. at that once point. Once he's jacked in to yeah. the whole thing. That's yeah. true. And then I guess maybe he's just a bit more open to it because he's a kid. 
Oh, conduit, some kind of creepy conduit, right? Or mm, that's another horror one for sure. Creepy oh, kids, big time. Oh, yeah. you know, you cannot swing a cat in the horror genre. I'm at two for two on creepy. Kids. <laughs> you, you can't yeah, swing a creepy right. kid without hitting yeah. another creepy kid. Yeah, you cannot like swing those twins. Any, yeah, <laughs> hit, yeah. Um, well, and I did want to talk about Aiden. So Aiden doesn't really do anything wrong, and yet. He's this creepy kid mm -hmm. that we don't really want to watch for too long. Is he sets us on edge? Like, why is that? Well, I feel like he um, he has a very flat affect. I was going to say a very muted affect, and so what we mean by that is he doesn't act in ways that convey much emotion. He seems yeah. just flat and and even keel, not up, not down in his mood, and that is very unkid like. It's extremely unkid like, and. I work with adults, not kids, but in adults, it's often a symptom of either illness or sometimes mm -hmm, it can be mm -hmm. um, a medication side effect as well. Um, but it's not typical. That is something to be flagged as part of an assessment as something that is atypical. Fair enough. And like, especially in a kid, and he's always flat. He doesn't smile once. I don't know if he blinks. Well, thinking, maybe, he, maybe he doesn't. There's doesn't. something very odd and I don't recall him blinking. He's got and, these sunken eyes. Mm -hmm. And do you know why else I, I found him quite unpleasant to watch is he's completely unaffectionate yep. and that's another thing that's just not like kids I mean they might show it in different ways so I mean basically just quite unsettling because he doesn't act like a typical kid no I think that's, that's so it just yeah. kind of wrong foots you mm -hmm. right yep. from the beginning I think that's it but I did find it interesting because I'm like you know get this kid the hell out of here but he didn't do anything wrong you know Sam when you're watching Sam and the Babadook like was giving his mom quite he was a really good kid in the end it turned out but He's causing quite a bit of trouble for See, his mom. But I Absolutely. would take Sam over Aiden every day. Really? You can get I would. With the weapons building? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Love that. I'd Trip foster wire. that creativity. Yeah, he could work for the U.S. government one day. That's true. Or, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Australian government. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, like, at least he, he loves his mom. That's true. He wants his mom's attention. <laughs> that makes me sound just like such a needy mom. It's like, well, at least he <laughs> loves her. Not yeah. like Aiden. Um, we move to the funeral scene which by its nature is depressing, but this is a, a very depressing well, thing to watch. It's at a house no. too, which and is like, just yeah. like even tighter. There's no room to yeah. escape. And I like, suppose it was the wake then. Or, no, no, no. The, what, is it called a wake when I the body's I think it's called there? a wake. At rest? No. It, this is just like the after party. Yeah. It's the it's the after party, okay. yeah, for sure. <laughs> right. um, but I, I like the way that they showed the dad. He seems to be very like, oh, all, poor guy. very absent. You know what? I, I did like the way they showed the dad. My question was when mom is being like, oh, he, he barely moves, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Do you think that they were trying, they were judging his grief a little bit? Or do you think they, they were being understanding? They I were think just she was calling expressing it what it was? her concern for it, for how he was coping. At first, when she said that, I was thinking that too. I'm like, wow, that's some serious shade that right? you know, mm. daughter just passed away. But then w within like the couple sentences she had after that, it's really like, no, I think she just maybe kind of like snapped in the moment of having so much going on. And that's just the way it came across because it doesn't. Mm. You're right. You're right. My impression of her saying that, but maybe I didn't read her tone right, was that she was expressing concern for him, not yeah. blaming him for his behavior because I'm okay. it's well within what I would think would be a typical potential typical response to a tragedy like that. Well, and at the end of the day, you, you can't really judge somebody's grief. And no. you certainly couldn't do it well because, you know, it's different for everybody. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so grief doesn't necessarily look one way or the other. So some of us, you know, people might be behaving in ways that we don't think we would. Um, but A, we might be surprised mm-hmm. the way we would act if we were in such a situation. And B, mm. just the scope of human experience is so different mm. that people are, some people are going to be really task oriented and doing things like crazy to focus on something. And other people are going to be like this dad, not moving a muscle who says, Staying I can't still. do anything. My child just died. Right? I can't do anything. So perfectly understandable in my opinion. But is it just me or is Rachel not acting like her niece just died? Because if you're, if one of your nieces or nephews died, how do you think you'd be acting three days later? Fair enough. Yeah, she I, does I seem her regular old self, floor. to be honest. Mind yeah. you, we only see her in this context for the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't see her until her niece has died, but I That's agree, true. she does seem to be operating quite normally in terms of how she usually seems. Mm-hmm. The thing I was thinking about her being, like, so distant when you said it was three days after she mm. passed and they're doing the uh, wake or at rest or whatever it is, and Rachel comes in and give her a big gives her a big hunch she's like oh my god mm-hmm. i'm so sorry like that's mm-hmm. three days later and you haven't gone to like <laughs> oh it, it felt you like live it, in the same it town, felt like that yeah. was like their first embrace after she had passed you're away right and it's too. like what's wrong with you my sister lives far 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 away and it'd be a lot sooner than three days of something like good that point. were to happen yeah mm-hmm. very good point you know yeah. what i mean and they live in the same city and she's giving her first hug three days later after her sister passed away children are best friends yeah whoa you know she babies oh my god there's such a close connection but I agree, Rachel doesn't really convey that. That just sets up more of her, like, not being there. This is one of those things yeah, that I yeah. talked about when we were talking about malignant and me mm-hmm. saying that, like, I feel like oftentimes family relationships aren't fleshed out the way that they would actually be in real life. Yeah. So, in my opinion, if you are close enough that your teenage niece is babysitting your son on the regular, I think that it stands to reason that you would also have a pretty close relationship with that niece and your sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is not really represented here. It's not shown that way because that's not important to the story. So I feel like they just don't do it. But Mm -hmm. in real life, I don't think it would be like that. Or at least I hope not. Also, you know, Rachel comes and helps her sister do the dishes. And I don't know if they have like a garburator, like a garbage disposal. They were like scooping... Oh. Entire florets of broccoli down the sink. Could you I'm imagine like, the, the flack you catch if Mrs. Caught you doing that? Right. Like I don't know what the fuck they were on. Like they, I hope what they have a garburator. Doing? Like industrial even so, strength. you're really pushing it. Garburator is like a Canadian term, guys. And oh, oh, garbage disposal. Sorry, go, yeah. people. Have you have you seen what our mom does with hers? Because no. she oh she leans pretty heavy on it too. No. She puts big stuff down there. Terrify me. That's a full another horror movie. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Those things terrify my mom too. She's always like (laughs) thinking that her adult children are going to lose their fingers in there. You know what? I remember after a house party at my house, you were there. You were there because your (laughs) wife, your (laughs) wife helped me fix this problem. Um, But we could tell that there was a piece of glass, probably from a beer bottle, in the garbage disposal. So the spinning spinning blade down your your pipe of your sink, right? And so I reached in and was fumbling around to find it. And I had Steve's wife holding the switch down because <laughs> <laughs> I was so paranoid. That right? someone was going to be like, whoa, oh. and flip it up. It's scary enough just in everyday life. Yeah. Turning it on is terrifying that noise it makes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so she, as Rachel's kind of going through, she hears some people speculating that Katie might've died from some kind of drug use. Um, but basically, I guess the formal reason that was given is just that her heart stopped and mom says she can't find yes. any explanation for that. For why She's a 16-year-old. Online. And that's an interesting Four thing. Four doctors and not I'm, one could give her a straight that's answer. That's right. That's right. But basically, I, I think that there's probably lots of 16-year-olds whose hearts stop. Yeah. And I think that you would be able to find it online. 
2002 online? Yeah, I mean, is it on the GeoCities yeah, website I that they're checking? Yeah. Is it on someone's, like, MySpace profile page? Because otherwise you're not finding <laughs> yeah. it. Um, Someone didn't make that with Angel Fire? <laughs> yeah. Uh, people are just MSNing it like crazy. Like, As one does, know. yeah. Yeah, I, I read about it on MSN. There's no one else whose <laughs> uh, child died like that. I instant messaged four doctors and neither yeah. of them could tell me. <laughs> they were like, BRB. You in the show. <laughs> They're like... Not a good day. Don't ask. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, like I'm sure that there would be some explanations. And you know what? I bet you doctors could come up with something. Not to say that doctors like lie or invent things, but there there could always be something along the lines of like... um, a underlying. an underlying congenital or genetic or underlying condition that you didn't know about that doesn't come to light yeah. until later. And so one of the scenes that also comes to us, which is I think like a, an amazing jump scare, is when she says, "Well, I can still remember finding Me her." Me too. And she pops open the closet, and her body's oh. there, and like the head rolls forward. Yeah, and, I think and, and it's her horror, horrified face. To me too, that is my favorite scare in the whole movie. Really, that is my favorite scare in the whole movie because I think it's like it's just the right amount of times that the effects still look good. Like if yep. two, 20, uh, sorry, 2002 yeah. Yeah. effects, if you lingered on them too long, you might think it looks a bit silly. It's just the right amount of time yes. to make you really scared. And then it's gone. It did. I, I wrote a note about that. I think if you stay on it any longer, it's not going to be scary, but it was such a jump and such a quick flash. And we get yeah. the horrible screeching noise. Mm-hmm. And there's something and about, about like her body position too, of like Aww. her hands, her hands up like this. And she's cowering in a closet Jeez, yeah. and just the, I, I don't know. And the idea that like your 16 year old child is like that. I mean, Oy. it hits home for sure. With the, with the short blip of seeing her as well. Like it, it was enough time to see it, but not enough time to see everything. So yeah, like, the exactly. whole time I'm like, what? Like, yeah. You were like, you was it just it, her mouth open big? Like Oy, you kind of, yeah. Yeah. So then I have to sit and think about that. And I think is the idea supposed to be literally that like their, their mouth is open in such a scream of terror is that what it's supposed to be? That would make oh, sense to okay. me. And it also kind of looks like the photo effect that we get later. Absolutely. Like the, the swooshy the face? Wibbly yeah. wobbly faces. Oh, oh, yeah. Bad case of the wibbly wobblies. <laughs> you must see that a lot. Oh, yes. All the time. Not so much anymore with modern diet. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, I used to get wibbly wobbly faces. <laughs> the hospital was overrun. And so Rachel's sister, she asked Rachel to basically do her investigative journal thing. And to try to find out what's happened. Well, she right. never said the journalism. She said, you investigate things. That's what you do. Figure this out. So at right. that point, I, I thought she was maybe a police she officer. could have been. I yeah. thought she was mm. a cop. Like a that's true. something maybe. Yeah. That, I mean, that's a totally reasonable uh, mm. assumption to make. You don't really assume a news journalist. I don't know. If yeah. She doesn't like, look tough enough to be a cop. I, and also the way like newspaper journalism is going, I just wouldn't assume that as a job in a movie anymore. Oh, I know. I, it's, anymore, it's a relic yeah. of the time for <laughs> sure. Right? Like It's like, it's sad, but. <laughs> you know what would be? And this is sad. You've got a true crime podcast. Yeah, seriously. Can you figure seriously, it out? Seriously, yeah, figure 100%, this out for Yeah, me. <laughs> they'd be your other podcast figuring it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so she she agrees reluctantly, I'd say. But then she kind of has a hello fellow kids moment. Oh man! With all the teenagers totally. outside yeah, smoking. Like, Steve oh, hand, hand yeah. me hand me one of those uh, ciggies. Oh, I love these things. Oh, the nicotine. A guys, a kids. Sneak out and smoke joints in the bedroom. Was that what she doing? Was she on drugs? Yeah. Yes. Did she smoke joints yeah. until she died? <laughs> Did she join herself? To death? Was she dropping weed? Oh you, yeah, she was doing weed for <laughs> sure. No question. Yeah, so there was a little bit of reefer madness. <laughs> yeah, oh, tragic case. And then um little guest spot here from 
Um, one of my big, yeah. big teen crushes, well, Adam Br- and yours. I'll tell you, it's not Adrian Brody. It is not Adrian Brody. Because I was telling Steve, <laughs> Much to your you know, it, yeah, Adrian Brody's coming up. Like, blah, blah, He's blah. He's playing a teenager. <laughs> yeah, like, all right, here we go. And then I was and like, Steve's like, that's not right. And I was like, oh, right, Adrian Brody's from Entourage. And then I was like, no, no wait, who's he's from The Pianist. Adrian Grenier. Uh, Adrian Grenier. <laughs> yeah. Adrian Brody. Adam Brody. Adam Brody. Adam Brody is in this movie. So I wanted to talk a bit about um, something that really sticks with me, which is like the palette or the chroma. Oh my to God. To use a film term. How, how like blue gray it is. Yeah. It's like very blue and very. gray and it just affects the whole atmosphere. And, and to me, the color of this movie has always been very oppressive. Mm-hmm. Totally. It like, sucks. It's it, like it every can, day is is miserable. People are like serious and grim and it's like no one in this movie, not one has ever felt like a happy no. feeling. You know what I mean? That's just what sticks with me. And I think that's one of the things that really creeped me out about it as a child, though I might not have picked up on that right away. I remember a really hard cut um, with the color you're saying. It was a little bit brighter at the beginning of the movie. Um, and then when they go to their funeral, I remember the scene directly before the funeral and then it went to that. And from then on, I just recall it being very, like you said, very dark and like that blue green overtone and just very, very strange. The light played a lot. Like later in the movie where the red comes in from the tree, like yes, it was yeah. very strange light that just mm-hmm. like a bad storm's coming. Yep. Absolutely. All the time. Um, and I just double checked. It is in fact set in Seattle. Oh, good. But Honestly, what? I assumed that yeah. simply because of the rain. Mm-hmm. I wanted to say too, like obviously Seattle's a big place, but to have four teens die at the same time on the same day, like surely that would kind that of would send be in shock the news- waves. Someone would have picked up on that. That would right? be in the newspaper or something. Certainly would have shocked the communities. They and were not like of. only Rachel picked up on the fact, and they're also friends. They were True. on a vacation together. Yeah, it'd be like your your friend. It'd be like your your son or daughter coming home and saying these four friends died. Separately. Yeah, I'd be like, what? Right. But as far as everybody knew, like the boyfriend was pretty secret, right? So there's a yes. good chance that maybe nobody knew that these four people were friends besides these true. four people. Oh, that's true. I, I think that that's fair. Yeah, that no one knew that Katie knew. Yeah, that boy. Because like even and, when yeah. like the girls going out and being all cool with their chair backwards, talking to the girls <laughs> outside, yeah, trying to yeah. get the information, like the one girl lets slip with her boyfriend and her friend. She's like with her, her butt. Yeah. Her friend gives her like the death eyes and so well, she's dead already and then spills. Seriously. I think that's a good take. I think that's probably why they made him such a secret, right? It's just that there's yeah. less of a link. That's it, true. That, it does um, tighten up that like potential plot hole for sure. I, so that was I kind of a scoop a good that take. Rachel got. Yeah. Oh yeah, well she's scooping all the time. It's her whole job. She's uh, a scooper. Yeah. On that note, she does something that I thought was a really heads up play where she's going through Katie's things and she finds a slip. And this is, I mean, dating the movie pretty bad. She finds a slip for a photo development place, Mm. right? So she goes and she picks up her photos that Mm -hmm. were going to be developed and and given to Katie, which is when she sees that they all went on a trip um, to... Shelter Mountain Inn. Yes, where they all went on a trip to Shelter Mountain Inn. So she's able to follow up on that. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, what did you guys think of the camera effect too? Because that's the first time we see the kind of blurry, twisting faces. Like uh, Steve, what did you that think was, of that? That was awful. <laughs> yeah, it was creepy. That eh? Really, really spooked me out. Yeah, yeah, and I think I and I'll ask this question probably a little later. But do you, like, just it's just one of those things that I don't know if you could make the ring again in the same way, just because technology has really changed in a very, very big way, right? So when I was talking to people about. 
about oh, the two right. two movies to watch. And one of our good friends, I asked him about which one you should watch, and he's like, Steve, look, he's like, the ring couldn't it couldn't happen <laughs> anymore. So a lot of yeah. these movies, these things couldn't yeah. happen. He said, you, no one has a landline. Yeah, and he's like, when <laughs> when was the last time you saw a VCR? He's like, you're, you're, you're going to have to go out of your you're way. You're safe. He's like, you're going to have to go out of your way for this to happen to you. So this this is never going to happen. So it, it was could insulate myself a little bit that way. Yeah, that's super smart. Good way to think about it. So she's able to rent the same cabin only for a couple hours. She says she's going to lay down, have a nap, and then drive back, mm-hmm. right? Rents the same cabin and is able to watch the tape. So that's one of the few times that we see color, too. There's this big tree had these red leaves and the sun shines through it and into her cabin. And then she watches the tape. So now... Sorry, I, I got to start first. The guy at the front <laughs> desk... Oh, yeah, the magician. Doing the magic tricks. Yeah, yeah. I, again, everything in the horror movies out to get me. I was waiting for something in that car trick, for, for something to come back. I was waiting for that card to like be on a dead body later or something. <laughs> His calling like, card. Like that card was like the card that she picked that he couldn't couldn't figure out which one. That... And he's like, check your asshole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, well, this oh, one has this to be is your my card. card. Uh, yeah, and then she's all nice at that point. And that still wasn't her card. Don't give me that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, she was it just was like, enough was... of this guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what that seemed like to me? Like, maybe it belonged in, like, an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Because you know how he has weird dialogue and goofy characters and stuff? Yes, yes, it did feel like that. It was like, why? That's, you know, putting this guy in this movie was a choice. Yeah, I think right? it was just, like, a little bit of ex- added... Flavor. For what? Oh, it was strange. Maybe, For what? Maybe a little have, bit of like, levity? The teeniest, tiniest bit of levity? I was thinking the same thing because nothing's played for laughs in this movie. No. Period. I don't no, know, you're right. right? No, you, but you know what? There is a little bit uh, later, the orderly talking to Noah gets a, does oh, a little bit of jokey great stuff. Great point because that guy, I, actually, I really did think was funny. So I was wondering, and I wanted to ask you guys, like, do you think the tape holds up in terms of being as scary as it would have been at the time of the movie coming out and that sort of thing? I personally think yes. Uh, obviously I did not see the movie when it came out. This was right. my first going through and it was very scary. Yes. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm a grown up now Yeah, <laughs> and it was, it still worked. It was, yeah, it was very scary. I think the imagery in it, I don't think anything in it is, is dated to the point that it like wouldn't be scary no, now. No. It's just like super unsettling yucky stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And like some of those pictures by themselves, not too bad. Tree, fine, a ladder, ladder, whatever. Fine. That's okay. Good point. Dead horses, bad. Get, starting to decline at that point. Um, like intestines the, coming out of someone's mouth or, or whatever that was. Do you know was. what's bad? The writhing maggots that mm. then become people in mud or whatever. Oh, it just gave me goosebumps. I didn't like and that. And you know what? For the longest time, I, I, I thought it was always maggots. I didn't realize that it changed. And then when I read that, I was like, oh, that's scary. And like, there's so many people. So if you're watching that on VHS, you're not you're not telling that. It's not crisp enough to tell between <laughs> maggots and a yeah, dead body. No, probably not. No. That's what, as soon as it changed, though, I'm like, that, oh, that's, oh, now they're people. people. It's that's people. It's so it was not nice. And the friggin' fingernail on the nail. Like, oh yeah, oh, that's that just that's just bad. No matter yeah. what, right? Disgusting. Um. Okay. And so then I was thinking because I did read up on the internet to try to figure out a little bit more about the lore and stuff because the the clues that lead them all around in this movie to me are hard to follow. It's like okay, you're here because of this, and you're there because yes. of that. Yes. Like there's a lot. But so when. So Samara has the power to burn images into people's minds and into um, like celluloid materials. The it X-rays, seems like. right? Those, yes. Okay. So she made she made those out of her brain. Is the way it's supposed oh, to be. Oh, okay. And apparently, tape. I think that that's what it is. Oh. So her, I think, I think her oh, essence burned it burn into a tape. Image. I didn't I, think about that. Because I was always like, 
I was always like, Where'd she get how? a camcorder? Yeah, I'm like, she's dead. I, it just seemed like silly and hokey to me that like, so what? How did it become a videotape? Like, it didn't make sense. she the image onto the tape instead of one at a time. Yeah. She figured out how to make a video instead That's of pretty one cool. scene. That's what I think it was. That maybe that tape was just literally a blank tape. That and then it. her like malevolent presence in the Shelter Mountain Inn being close enough to those tapes burned it into the... That's what I... Came, that's what I concluded after reading what I did. I never even asked that question, but that makes a lot of sense. That's pretty cool. Yep, she watches the tape, gets the phone call, is freaked out, and then we get the introduction of Noah. Yeah. What do you think of Noah? You know what? I wasn't his biggest fan. Mm-hmm. No, me either. I don't think we're supposed to like him. I don't like his lot. vibe. I think you're right, especially, and this becomes like even more poignant later, but when he first runs into Aiden... And he's like oh, played yeah. like a villain, you know. He he's like kind of creepy. They looking. give each other a look and then keep walking. They have like, like a standoff. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, so as if Noah's evil almost. Was that when they were walking in the street in the rain? Yeah. Oh, I yeah. So my yeah, first yeah. couple watches, I didn't even know that was Noah. No, I me thought neither. it was some stranger. I they just showed us. Didn't until you just said that, right? Weird. So weird, weird, yeah. very weird, especially considering you know the lore drop that's coming later. Yeah. Um, I oh. thought that he seemed helpful. You know, mm-hmm. he, he goes in, he knows stuff about... And he seems to have a very chummy relationship still with Rachel, considering that they had a relationship and then... Just he seems like a chummy guy. Mm. You know what I mean? That maybe she finds him to be a little surface level. Yeah. But I don't know. They Obviously, pretty... she needs him. He's good with the tapes, right? Yeah. That's probably how they... Yeah, exactly. They don't want to burn that bridge. He's no. A, he's a tapist. With a tapist. How many, of the, how many of those jobs are left? I how, was thinking How many that of those too. guys? God. And he's got like this lab of yeah, like. all old analog stuff that we VCRs. can do on our phone. Yeah. Yeah, those poor guys, eh? And so she has him watch the tape. She kind of resists him watching it. He convinces her. But then it was funny to me because we get a call. And he's being so glib about it after. Yeah. Like, it is scary. Totally. The contents of it is scary. Yeah, exactly. And he was like, well, it's very student film. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like a snoot. And then the the phone rings, but she doesn't answer it. And you know what I thought was really funny? Like, mm. is there legitimately a voicemail from Samara? Yeah, saying like, <laughs> that hey, she's like, listen, it seven beats days. And it's like, oh, hey, you know, we're not able to come to the phone right now. So Samara's like waiting. And then she's like, seven days. No, it's the kind of voicemail that goes, hello? Oh. <laughs> we're just kidding. We're not here. And she's like, ah. God, my wife had that for years. Like people still to this day will be like, remember when you had that? It was awful. Because it really does trick you if you have the right tone of voice. And she said the best were people, she'd get the messages of people being like, God damn, I hate that message so much. Like <laughs> mid swearing at her. They're already oh, mad. Man. Yeah. So Rachel makes the copy. And brings it to Noah. He explains some like VCR technology, you know, that apparently the the tape is doing impossible things. There's no signature on it. Yeah. Yeah. Can't tell who made it. And a a tape having no signature is as having no fingerprints apparently is to humans, (laughs) right? So, I mean, I I don't know if any of that's true. Still another one of those small things that that like... Way gone. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) When's the last, like you said, when's the last time you even saw a VCR? No, I mean, like, that's another, another one of the little things that scared me. Like, oh, it, you're it, saying that, that you found oh, that absolutely. scary? You're like, that, what that, is with this tape I, that doesn't make any hell? sense? <laughs> what is with this tape? Yeah. <laughs> Guys, you don't get this. You've, you've, you've seen it so many times that you're, that you're removed from the, from, from the initial terror. We've been, like, inoculated to horror yeah. so many times. 
And like I'm thinking, like I wonder if I'd be like more scared if I was younger. And I like probably obviously a little bit because of the things you know. But like it's still it it worked. Like the places where it was supposed to be scary and you're like, like a child in your exposure to horror. Yes, so maybe it's the exact same. You're at the infancy of your yeah. <laughs> life as a horror fan. Mm-hmm. Fan, who knows? Fan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe it's an experience. Right. It is an right? experience. Yeah, it's not boring. Definitely not boring. I understand what all you people are on about. <laughs> you what people? Do you, what do you mean, you people? <laughs> I mean exactly what, what I mean? mean, all you horror fans out there. And then as they're kind of sitting around trying to trying to work on it, his assistant slash girlfriend. You know, journalism student girlfriend comes in uh, in his absolutely ridiculously huge, cool hipster loft. Oh, like, did incredible. you see where this fucking guy lived? It's enormous enormous it has like chain link in places he's got a motorcycle in there it's uh, you like have to stone have walls to. enormous arched windows like this guy's got a crazy yeah. apartment 650 a month all in <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah oh man inflation yeah yeah but i mean with the with the amount people are willing to pay you to doctor their tapes oh i mean it's nothing dropping the bucket to young noah he was rolling in it <laughs> yeah well enjoy it while it lasts noah not just oh, because you're you're gonna die <laughs> <laughs> yeah he never lived to see his career become extinct well then you know we should be happy for him yeah yep yeah you either you either die the hero or you live long enough to see your job become obsolete <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> to see your own obsolescence so why then is rachel so mad at him um i think that it just like she got into the feeling of them being like flirty and almost like feeling like she was in a relationship again and then she's just gets this rude reminder that it's not the case so do you think that they're then in and out of a will they won't they kind of thing a lot I don't know if it's a lot, but maybe they just fall into old patterns when they're together. Right. Because I was like, she is being pretty intense. You know, like he has a girlfriend. They're not together. Right. She was being like, I didn't know if she was supposed to be jealous or just thinking he was up to the same old thing. Yeah, it was uh, probably a disproportionate reaction, but uh, there's history there. She's got baggage. A lot of history in that relationship, Serge. Mm -hmm. That's true. Um, One of the scenes I wanted to talk about because we are who we are at the Fear Response Podcast, is the very brief scene where we do see Becca in the mental health institution. Yeah, I was going to talk about that too. Um, so yeah, I was wondering, Jenna, what are your impressions given you work in, in a similar setting, at least in our context? Well, I'll tell you that uh, one thing that seemed interesting was that she seemed to have a dedicated staff member who just rolled around a curtain beside her so that she didn't see TV screens. Oh yeah, how much does that job pay, by the way? Um, you know, it's like... Psychiatrist curtain pusher. Curtain pusher, nice. This is the next one down. No, I was gonna say, um, I gotta tell you, there's not enough staff to have a have a dedicated curtain pusher. Alas, we don't have enough staff for that. No candy stripers help out with that. No, very few candy stripers. <laughs> um, I I thought the curtain was very interesting, right? I think that it was uh, more or less supposed to be that um, it became clear to them that Becca is now traumatized by screens. She's triggered by screens because oh. of what was going. That's what I thought. You're probably right because they walk past a little TV yeah, room where gets, everyone's playing cards. She or gets kind of distracted, and then her nurse is like, "Becca, let's keep going. We're almost at your room. You yeah, almost made it this time, Becca. She was so close. Yes, exactly. And I was thinking she was just easily triggered by essentially anything. By anything. Uh, but that's probably right about the screens. That's what I because like they show right up to the TV and and she's like Hollywood uh, Squares on kind of kind of like looking over past the curtain. But also, like, so what What else are my impressions of it? They didn't show much, to be honest. For one thing, they seem to have a bit of, like, where she later talks to Rachel, they seem to have a bit of, like, a um, jail-like 
uh, interrogation room, which are not standard in... Uh, how are you supposed to get the secrets out of them? Yeah. How are you supposed to good cop, bad cop your patients? <laughs> yeah. Um, I What I thought was interesting, if Becca is so easily triggered, why are they letting an investigative journalist interview her who's not related to her yeah. or anything? And she clearly didn't want to be there. So the thing is, if that happened on my unit, I mean, I can't imagine that it would. But if the basically, if the patient says yes... You'd be Fair like, enough. okay, it's yeah. your guess. Fair what enough. if they don't say no? Then that's not enough. You need something more affirmative, <laughs> That right? is not enough. Because they do, I feel like they were almost flirting with having Becca being catatonic. Oh, certainly, yeah. She's also got a very flat affect. She's not moving much. There's an impression that catatonia is only the kind of like flat affect, immobile person, but there's actually like different manifestations of catatonia sometimes like repetitive movements like someone always making and unmaking making and unmaking their bed for example like there's kind of different ways that it shows up so rather than just being not doing anything you can be kind of stuck in something too yep there's and there's like there's kind of some different uh ways that it can present and there's lots of reasons that you could become catatonic too yeah but like catatonia can be what i've seen it probably like most associated with are like psychotic more severe psychotic disorders. And um, I've had patients with like such severe catatonia that it becomes um, a risk in terms of like skin breakdown, wow. including like not lifting their arms. And so they get, you know, a thrush infection Wow, because they are literally like not moving, which is an, another way. And I, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse a bit with something that I say a lot, but um, the idea that mental illnesses, the symptoms of them can be much more severe than people realize because it changes your behavior so much. So the things that are like baseline to everyone else, like just getting up and walking mm-hmm. yeah. might stop happening. So then now you're at risk for blood clots and you're at risk for this and that. Or yeah, like I was saying, skin breakdown because they're literally not getting out of bed. So I, I, I don't know if this is the right way to ask this question. Mm-hmm. Is that like a mental or physical that they can't get up out of bed? Like is it mental. Like broke down? It's like a mental block. Mental. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because at that point, so like the patients that I've seen with this kind of behavior, they're not so elderly that they can't get up and move or anything like that. Wow. Middle-aged, young even, like 20s. It it depends on the, you know, severity of their kind of mental illness. Um, But that being said, it's a cycle, right? So if you're not getting up and walking, very quickly that you lose muscle mass and that kind of thing. So someone who's 45... Maybe after a couple of weeks like that, they start acting more like they're 65. Right. They start moving more, you know, right. because if you, it's that old adage that if you don't use it, you lose it. And it's kind of remarkable sometimes how quickly that can happen. I wanted to ask you both and, and maybe start with Steve. I was kind of feeling like they were using Becca as a bit of, uh, oh, well, she's gone crazy type mm-hmm. device. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering kind of what you think about that. Like just that the way they use Becca after the first seat. If it's almost like, um, you know, they're just using it for dramatic effect kind of thing a little too much. Well, f- first off, she looks far too much like Samara for me. <laughs> she really did. She, she dark, long hair. Like she looks hair. Like, like if she were to age up to that age. Like that's Maybe what it is she supposed to like. hark to that image. And Maybe. that's all I can think of. She always has her head in that kind of sunken. Yes. Her hair's down mm-hmm. low. She's got the dark eyes. And like that for me, even in the very beginning, like the first scene when they're sitting on the bed together, I'm like... That's the girl that I'm thinking of <laughs> when I think of this movie is seeing mm. the picture of. So Becca, through no fault of her own, yeah. gets moved over to the scary category yes. in your mind. Uh, Poor Becca. Oh, yeah. Mind you, it doesn't take too much. No. But I was thinking, like, they were, when they were talking about her outside, the friends, 
They wrote her off. Mm. She's in boobies in a padded room. You know yeah. what I mean? And then they're like... Is that what they said? Pretty sure. Oi. You know, she's in this uh, mental institution. She's acting totally differently. Of course, it makes sense that she would be traumatized. No question. But I was just wondering if they kind of just turned her into this character that was like, ooh, look at this mental health stuff going on. 100%. Now. That's and creepy. then she's like clairvoyant to what's going on because she says, you've got four days. Exactly. Yeah, she had some kind of connection. Yeah, she was too. close enough to it that she got some secondhand ringage. Yeah. Yeah. It's the reverberations, right? Yeah. Spooky influence. But um, I think that it's ridiculous. But I did want to actually mention about her hygiene because you know, just greasy hair and kind of the way that she looks. Yeah. Uh, that's another way that people's health can, physical health can be severely affected by their acute mental illness is uh, that their hygiene can suffer. So we're talking maybe people not showering for like weeks, months. Yeah. You can get uh, things really severe like, um, really severe hair mats, especially in like women um, who have maybe longer hair. But it's also like a risk to their health in that they're they're not taking good care of themselves. So maybe a wound develops right. or um, becomes infected or anything like that. So yeah, so there can be uh, really multifaceted symptoms mm-hmm. associated with mental illness that can negatively affect someone's health in a myriad of ways that the average person might not even guess at. Um, And that that, becomes part of the diagnosis too, right? If you're seeing these things, that could be a clue that they're suffering from a certain mental illness too. So it's like a feedback loop almost. Like their mental health is contributing to the fact that they're not getting out of bed. They're Mm -hmm. having sores. They're not taking care of their hygiene. And some of those things play into the diagnostic criteria for certain diagnoses too, right? And that's another one of those things that we come back to all the time is the idea of um, something being diagnosed as a mental illness depending on someone's ability to function. So if they're not able to keep themselves clean, fed, their home clean and safe and healthy, then that is a representation that they are not functioning well. And so for that reason, this is a disorder that needs treatment and not just um, anywhere on the spectrum of, you know, mental health. It's not being well managed, and therefore it needs diagnosis and treatment in a lot of cases, right? We get a scene that's very close to one of Jenna's and my favorites, which is a library investigation scene. Oh, yeah. And Rachel doesn't use microfiche, but she just, like, she might as well have. We love microfiche. She does do... I've had to I've had to use that in work sense before. Yeah. Oh, so parts catalogs when you start uh-huh. no. stuff up. Oh, it'd be on microfiche. You're well, kidding me. Neat. The fir- first dealership I was at, so they'd have these giant walls full of cars all the way back to the seventies. Oh and man! In the beginning, there would be the directory of all the parts, and then you'd pull it out and you would put this little thing down and blow it up and like to find you know what screw is holding your seat down in your 1982 Mazda. That so, is very. So, I would never. It that, never. That's what me. it went from. Went from microfiche to digital. It was. Were there times where you were that like is, looking uh, through the microfiche and then found the answer you needed like, and like I ran? Got it. Oh, I just ran yeah, to the it. car. Yeah, sticky note <laughs> out the back. Okay, so that's exactly like these movies yes. that we love. One thing Jenna and I love is when there's like a, a mystery at the center of a horror. Yeah, movie. I think that this movie does a great job of having a lot of like procedural mystery figuring tie-ins yeah as well as the scary stuff keeps it going Mm -hmm. yeah exactly it moves the plot forward and then scary set pieces in between perfect so she discovers a whole bunch at once she's going through these old books some of them are massive right she discovers moesco island anna morgan who is samara's mom uh she doesn't discover that at this time and then also the stories about the mysteriously dying horses on moesco island 
She, uh, so when she looks up, when she's doing all of her investigative stuff and that yeah. kind of stuff, this is the early internet. This is 2002. Yes. Her investigative Googling, I'll say, is like something I do today when one of my friends gets a new girlfriend. Like you, <laughs> like you search their name, like something with horses came up. You put their name in horses, like just every tiny little tidbit that you have. Yeah. And that's all this, this like, perfect. I got everything I need for my story. And it's just like the same thing that anyone would do today when they, you know, yeah. hear about someone. Yeah, you meet someone on Bumble. Yeah, exactly. You well, check them out, see what's. And, yeah. you know, you look through your friend's girlfriend's pictures mm-hmm. you isolate a little thing in the corner and you use that to find her location yes and you go there absolutely that's how yeah. my you sound like joe page. goldberg we're on the same page um and so one of the things i thought the movie did really well because as she's going through all these things it's like pages turning and all this stuff and and her pencil writing furiously or her oh, pen and then, and then you you notice that she's actually scratching out the face of a picture of anna morgan but i was wondering is it actually supposed to be hair Yes, this is exactly what I was wondering yes. because is that supposed to be like she just scratched out her face or did it make her look like Samara because A... Secondhand creep out. <laughs> right? Oh. Sorry, Steve. A, we see it in Katie's book where she had a bunch of yes. models and yes. she had scratched and it looked like All hair. And also when Aiden later draws the picture of the family's home, the Morgan's home... That's exactly how Samara looks. Like it's all these scratches for wow. her hair. And so I was wondering the same thing. At first I yeah. thought, oh, she's like scratching out Anna's face. But then now I'm thinking, no, she was absentmindedly making it look like Samara. Wow. I agree. I have now come to think I initially thought the same thing, that they were just scratching out the faces. But now because I think it's they're long and black. They're not just like right on the face. I and think it's not it's a circle around her face. Exactly. No. Exactly. So there you go. How many watches in did that take? However many Quite I've a done. Few. Yeah. So I, like I'd say at least four. I've probably watched this movie every couple years since 2002. Oh, yeah. um, we get a scene where she's talking to her sister again and she starts to cough and choke. And oh God, does she She ever... starts pulling out this long, it looks like a strand of hair, right? Um, but eventually pulls out the electrode, right? And I remember you seemed kind of to be a little jarred by that, mm-hmm. Steve, when yeah, you were watching it. Imagine yeah. what? It, yeah, so the the choking, obviously, I thought, of course, she's going down because I was just assuming the worst watching. <laughs> she's she's like, dying. Yeah, yeah. She's just, I believe one of that was one of the scenes that flashed up and when, when she watched it, right? Was that like her pulling mm-hmm. the thing out of her mouth? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Very jarring. And there's water coming out of the phone. She goes to Aiden's room. And it's the first time we really see Samara like in her. Oh, in a chair in, in the pool chair, of water. Right. And she goes up to her and boom, Samara grabs her arm. And the last, so I watched this movie again today and I watched it last night with Steve. I remember that being a way bigger jump scare, the arm grab, yes. but it was a little slower than I remembered. So it was like more like she reaches out, she grabs her hand. I remember being so terrified by that scene, probably because I was already shitting myself. You're once, on edge. Yeah. I, I once she's attest, walking yeah, up to this girl who doesn't belong in that room, right? But yeah, another very creepy scene, but she does wake up and both of those things were a dream. Is that like the cockroaches behind the wall in the Babadook? Oh, or yeah, exactly. It happened and then didn't? And it did remind me of making you watch the Babadook and, and remember the scene where she's pulling out her tooth? Oh. Just mouth stuff and horror. They're very happy bedfellows, yeah. right? Gross. I know. Oh, and this, so I just had the scene of the guy up in the window. Oh, uh, we'll get to that. That's one of my least favorite things about this movie. Yeah? Yeah. yeah so when she starts awake out of this dream sequence, she kind of goes and looks for Aiden. And he's, which Gone. is just utterly ridiculous. So, and then he says, I he couldn't, couldn't sleep. sleep. He couldn't sleep. So if you can't sleep, 
you find a blank videotape and put it on and mm-hmm. watch it? Like Back in 2002, yes, you did. And just hoped it was cartoons from the week before. <laughs> Not your parents' one. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Could be anything. Well, it still would have been better than this. And uh, so this is then, and then when she gets the phone call, this is where I feel like Naomi Watts, her British accent slips a bit because I feel mm. like she goes, leave him alone. Oh, yes, you're right. <laughs> I, I feel- Leave him alone. Governor, I think she says. <laughs> She's Cockney. Cheerio, leave him alone. <laughs> pip, pip, leave him alone. Governor. <laughs> leave him alone, you wanker. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know. She sorry. just really goes on and on. on sorry on. if we have any British listeners. I, I and really we apologize. do. We know for a fact that we have British <laughs> listeners and we're alienating them right yeah, now. You, guys, you said you know exactly where they live. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we get, you know, where, we get their coordinates. <laughs> um, she gets a call. She knows it's from Samara, so she doesn't answer it. But then it doesn't work like that, though, right? Well, obviously not. She'll still come after you. Yes. And then the call, a call comes again and she picks it up. And like you said, she's like, leave him alone and it turns out it was noah and he's like i believe you because mm-hmm, he start has started to get freaked out yes and there's a stack of pictures of him with the wibbly wobblies and he had had that experience in the convenience store yes. where oh. he saw his wibbly wobbly face that was so that creeped you out too that creeped me out too that you're gonna die i'm like mm-hmm. yeah she's got yeah, her she too. knows too <laughs> that was just cigarettes which he was gonna die from it's, yeah she was just was being kind of uh forward and, mm-hmm. and she's just trying to cup. save lives yeah, I wonder if it's working. <laughs> Still sold them, though. So, like, was she? Mm, yeah, exa- you're complicit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she should have been like, no. no. <laughs> I'll not sell these I don't want to see you die, okay? <laughs> um, and so, yeah, uh, Naomi Watts, Rachel, is saying, um, you know, he watched it, he watched it. And Noah's saying, who watched it? And she says, our son. And you're like, oh, oh son. <sighs> but I guess it shouldn't be, because they obviously had a relationship. Yeah, Big Raven, Simone... Flash, you know, vision. <laughs> you think that it's another vibes. that's so Raven moment? Pretty much for There's us, a lot. There's where a lot. we go, like, my God, it's his dad the whole time. It's it's he's been his dad for six years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that. And as they're getting ready to go start investigating and stuff, Noah's in the car with Aiden, and they kind of have a bit of a standoff. Oh, that was sad, you know. And he's like, "Well, I just don't think I would have been a good dad." Mm. And all this stuff, and like some kind of cop out. Well, the, I agree. It was the worst. He's like, I, I didn't want to be. I was worried I was going to be a bad dad because my dad was a bad dad. It's like, well, way to set the precedent. Self fulfilling like, prophecy, come on. buddy. And that, well, and then you know exactly what not to do. Just yeah. do the opposite <laughs> yeah, of exactly. everything. Right. If your shitty dad did that, just do the hundred like one eighty out, and you'll be fine. Exactly. He says, "Do you wish I was around more?" And Aiden says do you want to be around more Ooh. and then i think i think you can read it all over noah's face that he's like no i don't like i made it he lives in the same town yeah. as yeah. his son and I doesn't ever VHS. see him he made a very <laughs> i'm married to the game i'm married to vhs yeah I'm sorry it's like you don't understand what it's like aiden um but that to me put the context of their little standoff out in the rain when he shows up even worse like he ran into his son when he was going didn't to see rachel he didn't say a thing he story like stared him down to his child. It was bizarre. And like Very if you, bizarre. If you almost run into a little kid on the street, regardless of who's a little kid, like, uh, sorry, excuse me, yeah. like oh, any, yeah. anything? For mm-hmm. sure, exactly. So Noah and Rachel have kind of joined forces and, and they're both going on their own investigation and, and kind of splitting up where Noah's going to a mental health facility where Anna, and it turns out Samara Morgan had been, um, where Rachel is going on the ferry to Moesco Island where the family's home is. Mm-hmm. And she was able mm-hmm. to kind of use 
her research to locate a lighthouse that told her that's how she yep. discovered Moesco yep. Island. She she took like a frame from the um, video and found it in like a cattle, book of lighthouses. Like, yeah, book yeah. of American lighthouses. Deep digging there. Yep. Pretty good investigating, I'd well, say, I mean, right? She's good at her job. Yeah. Um and then yeah, they so they go to uh, she goes to Moscow Island on the big ferry. Yeah. She's gotten out of her car and I was kind of like looking out at the ocean and there's tons and tons of other cars. And one of the cars has a trailer carrying a horse mm-hmm. and then she decides to interact with it, which I would probably, you do that? No. I wouldn't no. do that. No. Cause I don't know if I'm going to so. spook it. Yeah, I don't pet I'm someone's not, dog. I, that's what I said. You were scared. <laughs> I said, I'm scared of horses. So I you're like, you yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, thought you were trying <laughs> yeah. to put that on me. No, no, I'm creeped out by horses. They're too big, and they have human teeth. They are big. Well, they've got horse teeth. Maybe humans have horse teeth. You ever think about that? <laughs> oh, no. Um, <laughs> Next week. But uh, So she goes to interact with it, and it's obviously spooked. But then do you know what annoys me so much is that she's like, calm down to yeah. the horse. It's like, you're obviously the trigger. Get you out of there. You don't need to be there. Go away. That's right. You and always know like, that's how to calm someone down is right in their face, calm down every time. Just keep telling them to calm down. Yep. It, it'll have stop, work eventually. Stop screaming. <laughs> and uh, then the horse like gets out. I don't, I love um, the fact that it makes something pretty commonplace. Like a horse is probably oh, yeah. a similarly commonplace to like a cow or whatever. Like uh, most people are familiar with what they look like, have probably been around them in so, at some point in their life, even city slickers like us. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that they make it seem so scary, yeah. and all it is is a horse, which we're pretty close up with. on its. But they're big and strong. They, they are big. Oh, get a I kick agree. From a horse. Good point. Oh, I agree. I'm afraid of cows. I'm not okay. going to approach a cow because, yeah, they're they're not pets. They're pack animals. Yep. They might treat you bad. But anyway, treat you badly. Treat you real bad. <laughs> but anyway, make the, a coat out of you. When it gets out and like runs across the car, it it's like a monster, mm-hmm. like running right at her. Yeah, and well, but then it runs all around. It's oh, up yeah, and down. It does the a cars. tour of the whole boat. Well, yeah. and then the ferry employees go like, "Oh my god!" But then I love that they get a like a lasso. It was like they a rope, they'd be yeah. like, "This is not my friggin' job." No. I do not think the ferry employees would be like, "Oh, I've, I, this is my horse wrangling day." <laughs> yeah, I don't think that they would jump to do that. I think someone would be like, "What the hell?" Right. But uh, yeah, I think that they make it so scary. And yeah, when it's like galloping straight towards her, certainly. And then it jumps and like oh, even even that so scene horrible, like so doesn't horrible. clear the railing, it bounces off. Oh, the breaks railing. legs on the way down, which yeah. just makes it that much. And worse. then and it's like drowning. There's so much creepy stuff. Um, and then uh, I like that the whole crowd of people like just rubbernecking yeah, go yeah. go to the other end to see what would happen. And I think that that's true. I think that people would be so interested in something like that. And then we just see the blood in the water, like yeah. very creepy scene. And the oh, girl whose horse girl. it is. Screaming. <laughs> yeah. Just blood curdling. But just imagine like, you know, a week later when they look at the footage of like, there's got to be a camera down there. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, oh, probably. oh, it was obviously the lady who's poking the horse in the eye. Yeah. The horse went crazy. <laughs> right. Like, can we find who this lady is? Yeah. Get her to buy us a new fairy rudder. Right. Yeah. Oh, it's all it's all full it's of all horse horsey. guts. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't oh. just scrub off. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that that's her experience on the ferry. Wasn't a good one. No. She does no. make it zero to, out of five stars. Right. Yeah. Wouldn't recommend. No. Thank Not God Yelp. Yelp wasn't a thing back then for this ferry driver. Um, she goes to Moesco Island and she looks up um, the Morgan's estate. She's knocking on the door. No one's coming, so she just kind of wanders to the backyard no. and like finds Richard Morgan in his back forty putting up a fence. But it's like, and he's so receptive to her at first. He's like, "Oh yeah, hey, come exactly. on into my house. Like you're gonna get shot. 
just wandering onto someone's property farm. looking for them. They probably them. Like, have a gun. I mean, most people probably wouldn't have done that. I guess she's a she's like a dog with a bone. And she does find him, and, and I agree. She's very receptive. He is. I agree. He's so friendly to her yeah. at first. Yeah, I agree. He's very receptive. He, he says, oh, okay, are you here to talk to me because you're interested in horses or just the ones that go wrong, mm-hmm. right? And then he doesn't really get suspicious of her until he does get upset when, A, she mentions his wife, mm-hmm. and B, she talks about the tape, Mm-hmm. And then finally, she mentions his daughter. And he's mm-hmm. like, I don't have a daughter. And he's basically like, get the fuck out of here. They show him with that creepy hook. Yep. That right? was the second time I was sure she was going to die. But then he, he just throws it down. Right. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, I think like we're at least meant to be intimidated by the oh, hook. Oh, yeah. Oh, ab- I think, absolutely. Isn't that hook for, sure. for grabbing hay? Mm-hmm. I think that's what it's for. I thought it was for the side of reporters' heads. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's designed <laughs> yeah. for specifically. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it can do more than one thing, but. um. But I, I remember in that scene, I was like, why is he not more willing to help her figure it out? Because she's trying to fix it. Mm-hmm. She's trying to solve it. I think he probably has the feeling that it, she can't be stopped and, and it can't be stopped. I, I agree. I think that he was more looking at it like um, overwhelmed that the problem was bigger than he realized and felt helpless against it. Yeah. And he says a very poignant line. He says, you know, what is it with you reporters? You, you take someone's tragedy... And you spread it, it like a sickness yeah. and you make other people experience it, right? Which is exactly what the end of the movie is kind of all about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Noah has kind of snuck it. He's broken in to the records. Oh, that was slick. Right? That, well, was, <laughs> that was a quick move. Oh, I've been upstairs in the records yeah. before. Yeah, good try. They're downstairs. Yeah. Wise, wise guy. So slick. Oh, great. Noah makes some good progress on, on the notes that he finds and, and kind of learns some information. He sees some of the images that Samara had like emblazoned onto the cellulose, right? But I was like, where did she get that? Where where did she get the 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 paper, paper or whatever yeah, it was like, done on? I don't know. Like maybe it's from paper? X-ray. Maybe so, it was from the X-ray room. I was thinking that like it, wherever it was, they go and find it, and then these images are just like the same way the tape was found. They just yeah. kind of were walking upon these, and, and yeah, they maybe they're like, what the heck is her? this? But how'd they figure it back to her? Good question. Well, they probably knew, like, well, it's probably that fucked up girl in the other <laughs> room. Yeah. Do you know what's interesting in that file that he's going in? Is that one of the pages has Japanese characters? Did yeah. you guys see that? What yeah. was that all about? I yeah, bet you, you think that's a reference just a, back a to... Reference to the original? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty Everything. cool. It all works. <laughs> Scared of Japanese characters. Because <laughs> <laughs> it shouldn't be there. It's weird. It's it was. Just, it's it stuck out. Yeah. And Rachel speaks to a doctor on the island. Mm-hmm. She's the doctor for the whole island. Yeah, and she says, hey, things on this island were terrible until that girl left, right? So they sent her to the, me- uh, to the mental health institution off the island, and she was basically saying, if there's a problem on the island, it's everybody's problem. And things were going wrong all over the island. Yep. So I didn't know, did you guys take that to be like a bit of a cover-up? Because, you know, Richard Morgan's going around saying he didn't have a daughter, no one's really looking after this kid or finding out what happened to her. Like, did you take it that way at all? Or? I felt more of a of a cop out, kind of just like, well, all this Fair enough. awful things happened and we sent her somewhere else and then our awful things got better and no one's cared since. Yeah. Just kind of like washed her hands of it. I guess right. I looked at it more like maybe more of like a conspiracy more than a cover up because she is openly telling. Yeah. And she did say, it. I assume she's still there. So that's true. It's not like she was like, oh, well, we just get all quiet all of a sudden when people <laughs> ask where she went, right? Yeah, like everyone, all the tinkering on plates and stuff stops in the restaurant and everyone looks, mm-hmm. like that kind of thing. So things have start to happen really quickly. Um, Rachel goes back 
to Richard Morgan's home, like in the dead of night. And she just, she knocks at first, but then she just walks right in. What are in. these people thinking? Right? <laughs> like, exactly. Come on. It's so and she, scary. She walks right in and starts watching a tape and sees that he has take. Oh, and th- at this point, we already know that he was the last one to take out that file. Noah tries to track down a tape that turns out is missing. And it was checked out by Richard Morgan. And that's another thing. You don't just check out hospital records like it's a library. Yeah. yeah it had like a full library card. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people <laughs> like checked it out. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So he took the whole box home. He took home like a banker's box full of stuff. Yeah, because yeah, it had yes. like the electrodes and stuff, which you don't keep those. <laughs> yeah, well, Souvenirs. They're single like, use, yeah. right? Keep strange things, right? Yeah. Can I keep that? You're a parent. You're going to keep weird stuff. <laughs> yeah. So she does. She walks right into his living room. It's it's pitch black except for the rotating lighthouse is throwing mm-hmm. light into oh, the home. And that's it's, it's what showing it was. up and going yes. away and showing up and going yes. away. Yes. She watches an interview with Samara where she's saying all this creepy stuff Very. and they're like well you know Samara you don't want to hurt people do you and she's like, like I'm sorry but I do I but do, I do. Mm-hmm. right and I think that that is a bit of what Aiden's talking about at the end um she says her dad doesn't like her dad only cares about the horses daddy's right. bad all this creepy shit and as we're watching this is how you know a lot of times a good jump scare is set up you're so focused on one mm. thing and then all of a sudden behind her, Richard Morgan is stood right behind her and Ugh. like is lit up by the lighthouse. This scene and up until the end of Richard Morgan used to drive me crazy. Mm. Like him walking around the house and like blustering around. Yeah. So he smashes her on the head. Oh, yes. Hard with a, yeah. with a landline. And then she chases <laughs> him. Why would you chase she him just after? She just follows him and she's still basically interviewing him. And she's like, yeah, yeah, she was your daughter. You're a bad guy. <laughs> so nurse-wise, she's not going to be feeling that great after a 10-pound you know, to the head. Uh, it's not recommended. No. Getting smacked in the head. No. And then continuing about your work. Hmm. Yeah. There's got to be a concussion or something. I, that's not my field, but... Speaking of continuing along with your work, uh, I'll, when we get there, uh, I'll tell you. So. Okay, thank you. <laughs> oh, stay, guys. Thanks. I cannot just wait. to see there. Yeah, just thought stay that tuned. I'd Listen give you to the end. Speaking of, speaking of that, excited. I got a point to make at another date. Yeah, yeah at a later date. See you um, in part two. <laughs> oh, God, part two. So she's, she's following him still, and he's kind of erratic. He's carrying a bunch of electrical equipment. Power cords all wrapped around him. That's yeah. right. That's right. And, you know, he eventually says to her, like, My wife was, was not supposed, supposed to have a child. child. And then what we see is he's overfilled a bathtub. He walks into a bathroom. There's water all over the floor. Plugging There's stuff so into like elect- I have a big so much so many things. <laughs> he plugs in a thousand and- things at once and just jumps into the bathtub. And we see him get electrocuted to death. And she kind of recoils from that. Completely, completely That's why you horrible. Have- right? Ground fault switches in your bathroom, guys. GFIs, right? Can't happen anymore. That might not happen today. Nope. Although Story I think he movies. ran stuff from other rooms. Yeah, it seemed there like he maximized the wattage. But this scene used to absolutely horrify me. It's it like, is horrifying. You remember how I spoke in the Babadook about when they show her smiling in mm-hmm. the newscast, how I just can't take it? Yep. Like it, mm-hmm. it makes me so uncomfortable. Watching Richard Morgan in this scene scared like the daylights out of me. Yeah, I think that there's... It like a few things more horrifying than seeing someone witnessing someone kill themselves in front of you. Sure. I think that there could hardly ever be anything worse than that. And she's in there telling him no. And he kills himself in front of her. It's completely horrifying. Yeah. And it is one of those things where 
can see an argument that horror movies are insensitive about yeah, this kind sure, of a topic sure. because it is clearly just for shock value. Shock. Like what a what a completely horrific way that like I doubt anyone has killed themselves in that way because that's not what it's about. It's not about the drama. It's about, you know, and people ending their lives because of whatever kind of crisis that they're in. So I just feel almost like the shock value of this one kind of it hits me a bit wrong. Yep. And there are two suicides in this movie um, where Anna Morgan also dives off of a cliff. Yes, she does. Yes, um, I forgot that. But what I wanted to talk about was um, there are actually some pretty stringent guidelines for the ways that media are supposed to represent suicide. So whether mm. that be newscasts or fiction. and Is it? Yeah. And there are a bunch of organizations that kind of come up with the guidelines. Mm. And so I wanted to read a couple of them. Um that in, in fictional depictions of suicide, they should avoid showing or describing the details of the suicide method. Um, so they certainly didn't shy away from that here. No. They should avoid oversimplifying or displaying suicide as a means of achieving an end, which I think here they also do that. Yeah, I agree. And one really terrible example that really doesn't follow any of these is um, 13 Reasons Why. Yeah. If you guys are it, familiar. I've heard I'm, that one. I'm I've, familiar mostly. There was mostly. a lot of flack. There was. And I think it was it was duly deserved. Yeah. They they depict very clearly the method for suicide. And, and so the reason you don't mm-hmm. do those things is because it makes it more risky for other people because of something that we'll talk about in a future episode probably called Contagion. Um, but it puts other people more at risk if they were already suicidal. Not that it's going to put the thought of suicide in their right. head, but if they were suicidal, it, it might be triggering, but it also might kind of um, like... Paint an attractive picture of what you might that's achieve. Right. That's right. And so the reason that 13 Reasons Why, I really don't like the way they depicted things was A, they really do graphically kind of show the method of suicide for that young person in that show. But the premise of that show is really sick. Because the premise is about wrong. is more or less about how bad everyone feels and how loved she is after her death by suicide. No. And it's about blaming other children for for their the behavior death, towards her for the death of a kid. And you know, of course, they did some really bad things to her. But it's also kind of laying the blame at their feet, which is another thing you're really not meant to do. Is that no. you're not supposed to vilify somebody for the suicide of another person, and and that's in these guidelines too. So, you know, oh, yeah, because that that is a huge piece of what can be so uh, horrible in the experience yeah. of support people and family members and uh, like romantic partners yeah. is the idea that someone that they love is suicidal and that you play a part in them dying. For example, the idea that uh, someone dies by suicide and then their loved one says, oh, my God, I forgot to call them on Sunday, last Sunday, and I call them every Sunday. It's my fault. That's right. And that is an extremely natural place for your brain to go, and it happens all the time, but it's wrong. That's right. Yeah. And that's and that's the thing about not oversimplifying it. Mm-hmm. No one completes suicide for one reason, and mental health, generally speaking, is at the heart of it. And you do not you know? control another person's behavior. At the end of the day. That's true. Exactly. So, you know, just some food for thought. I had a friend that passed away. I was hanging out with him that night and things happened and he left and passed away. And that one took a long time to... Oh, that's natural. That's awful. Absolutely. Oh, it's very natural. And probably you and 10 other people are going through the same thought process, right? Absolutely. Because even, you know, you're someone's parent, you're someone's friend, you're going to think, well, if I would have done this and that. But that's just not the way it works. You can't now. 
It's just not how it works. You know what I mean? So your brain goes right off the hop. And like you said, from of course. speaking with other people and that's right. their family members and their friends, it's, yep. there was nothing that was on your end. No, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, that's an important message for people to hear. And I think we could do a lot more kind of speaking about the contagion effect. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just want to make some notes about that. Um, so after that, they go into the barn and they break into the barn. Oh, so this is what I was going to say. This is yeah. my point from earlier. Oh, okay, please. Was the fact that like, so literally it goes from her witnessing one of the most horrific things that you could possibly please. witness. She screams, finds herself in Noah's arms and is yes. like, let's go to the barn, back to work. Right. The next instant, they don't call the cops. She's in mortal peril. They don't call anyone. Yes, she is. She's on <laughs> death's door. But the fact that they go so quickly, I found jarring. A little bit whiplash, eh? rattling. Yeah. She's gonna like, ride that high. Well, especially because <laughs> yeah, the I, adrenaline. The adrenaline. I feel like she appropriately represents how extreme your response might be because she sure. shrieks and her body is moving like sure. But then she's like, "Let's go to the barn." No, I'm glad you're here. Yeah. Well, and she's composure. Yeah, yeah. She, she's a tough chick, man. Apparently. So they go into the <laughs> they go into the barn and, and see this loft. And I was saying, you know. Clearly, the Morgans were doing pretty well for themselves because that is the tallest it is ladder so I've tall, ever that seen. Barn. Unbelievable. <laughs> and like, so what? Are they all horses on the bottom and then just cathedral ceilings above the horses? Like, what's the, the point of the, the height? The ladder was Tate like 50 sky. feet tall. Yeah. And well, and that was the second time we saw the ladder because yes. she walked yes. underneath the ladder. Again, that's right. yep. terrifying. Yeah. Like, and she walked under a ladder, which even I know, not as a horror fan, that's no good. You can't <laughs> yeah. be doing that. Yeah, what Terribly did, you, bad what did you. you think as more and more of the scenes from the... F- from the tape showed up in like the narrative of the film. So like the centipede shows up. Oh, everyone the, got You know it. what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. It just made it creepier and creepier that yes. there was the connection. That eh? just keeps mm-hmm. coming back. And then there's, you know, there's only such few scenes left that haven't been. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I, oh when's this one coming? So then you're like, oh, where, when's the finger? When's the well, maggot? Like you're saying, oh, when they go up the ladder into her little area there and end up pulling down, finding the thing she's burned onto the wall. That's right. That mm-hmm. was one of the last images from the thing that hadn't really got brought up yet i thought it was the red tree from near the the cabin there it when is the light that comes in that's her picture is, of it it is, is that. It? Oh, okay yeah. okay yeah but yeah it's like it, it's a representation in the film of kind of a mix between the drawing of the tree and the real tree mm-hmm. in in the tape but that's what brings them back to the that's what inn. triggers them to go back yeah. to uh the the mountain inn they make it back to cabin 12 which it says it's closed says temporarily yes, closed yes, when they show which up. Yes, is interesting. I so wonder they must why. break in. They discover when Noah spills some marbles that he there's gets, a, he well. He gets upset about something. Yeah, he says, he? no, he we've it. got more time. Because she's like, I'm about to die. And yeah. he's like, why don't you just tell us, huh? And he like slams a pitcher that had a bunch of like glass beads. Yes. Thank goodness. And then they pool <laughs> over in the, the floor. Well. And then he goes and gets an axe. Yeah. Oh my he God. He gets an axe. He hacks apart this floor. And How underneath. sure do you have to be to hack someone's floor open? Yeah. Well, you, he was you, desperate. You better be sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's going to cost him. And yeah, so he, he uses an axe to hack apart the floor where they saw there was a sag and water damage. And underneath they find the well. Yeah. And as they're trying to look down it. And they literally never hear the rock fall when they drop the fall, the rock. Yeah. They never hear it land. Yeah, no, exactly. it never makes a sound. <laughs> and they're like. They're like, I was, I was oh, for like, I feel a, like this. Oh. oh my god! Do you ever feel that way when there's a thunderstorm and you see lightning and you're like, "Come on, when's the thunder?" Yeah, I don't want to get scared. I just want it out there, right? 
What did you guys think of this scene? Because upstairs, the TV turns on, water leaks out, and like the screws of the floorboard start to yeah, undo I, themselves. Yeah, I was like, huh? I didn't get what that was out, doing. Right? No, I, th- I, like, I thought the house smart? was maybe like flooding. I, th- I thought the house was going to flood and then it was all going to pour down into oh. the well that and, been cool. and, and drown her because like yeah. the screws were coming up. I thought there was enough water that the pressure of it was that would have been cool. pushing everything apart, but that didn't happen. What like, actually happened is like Samara used the water like, like as her water. ghostly hand yeah. to pull out all the, the nails and then the, the floorboards fall and the TV slides. <laughs> and she, goes, ah! <laughs> she would be like, She'd be dead. At least brain damage from the collision of that big, fat, early 2000s TV. This is a tube TV, guy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you guys have ever face. seen these. These things were 35 pounds. Yeah. She gets hit with minimum. the zenith. And then <laughs> she falls headfirst down this well that's so deep. And then she wakes up unconscious in the water. It's like, and you, it's, you'd definitely be messed and up. And it's so, the bottom of the well is so much bigger than the top. It's, it's shaped like a beaker. Yes, it is. Yeah, she's got a lot exactly. of space around her. And also, she's clearly standing. And like in waist deep water. Like she would have yeah. hit the ground. Yo, yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. She, she yeah. didn't like do like a perfect dive like a, a high diver no, guy I'm- would. Noah runs to try to find something to get her out of this well, but she looks around to see claw marks on the wall There's in the a rock. fingernail. She first... Exactly. She, oh. she finds is, um, a peeled off fingernail. Oh, that's Silence of the Lambs vibes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So in Silence of the Lambs, a person's in a well because mm-hmm. they're being held captive. And when they first see the nails in the wall and the scratch marks, they just scream because they know people have been down there and tried to get out. Right. And so Rachel has a similar experience where she knows that Samara was down there and she was alive. She Okay, so then when she touches Samara's body in the well. So she reaches down, she comes up with a handful of black hair. And when she when they have this physical contact, she gets shown how Samara died. Right. And we see that Anna Morgan, her mom, yeah. did it and then pushes her into the well and then... She sees the vision of like the well closing above her. And so she puts it together that like, oh, she didn't actually die when she was suffocated by the mom. And so more or less, I think that Rachel has a lot of empathy for Samara. And so she she kind of feels like what would be the traditional kind of ghosty story, which is, oh, unfinished business. She needs to finish it. And so she's like trying to help her through it. And she has she's holding her body. She starts to dissolve. And then and then, yeah, like her. She dissolves into what she actually is, which would be a skeleton, skeleton at that point. I bet you that was a good chunk of the budget in 2002. Yeah, it yeah. looked really nice. Yeah, it, it, did, it, it, did look it, good. it didn't look too bad. Good point, Steve. Yeah. And then I, I honestly, I felt a pang seeing the little skeleton in her arms. Oh, yeah. So Noah does get back with the fire hose and this fucking drove me nuts. When he like reaches the end of it and gets hung up. <laughs> like, okay. Do you think it's a 700 foot fire hose? <laughs> He's like, whoa. He Seemed does, a bit slapstick. He does run to the end and get yanked backwards. And right? then he's looking at As the sunset. As if he got clotheslined. But I was talking about, so that's after that. He, he does get to Rachel and he knows the sun's setting. He knows she's going to die. And he's like, Rachel, Rachel, are you there? Like, and for like two minutes, she doesn't answer him. She's, she's just standing she's there. She's obviously there. Maybe she's dead, but she's there. Yeah, she's just standing there not putting this damn guy out of his misery, right? And I'm like, she's too what spooked. The fuck. Like, just help him out and say, hey, yep. that's it. You know what I mean? And then she does quiet as a mouse. She goes, I'm here. Thanks a fucking lot. Like, I just shit my pants up here. Well, and then, so then we go, she's back with Aiden. So hang on, hang okay. on. Okay. <laughs> you, missed, you missed a very important scene. Did I? We get a classic ambulance under a blanket scene. Oh. Everything's you think everything is resolved, Steve, when you see the characters sitting in the back of an ambulance covered up in a blanket. It's like doesn't matter if they got stabbed 80 times. We talk about how different uh, professions are misrepresented, 
poor paramedics makes it seem like their job is they very just sit easy. Blanket givers. They, yeah. Yeah. Oh, here you go, man. Oh, oh, blanket wrappers? Yeah. They're the restorative power of the blanket. <laughs> and I'm like watching these guys. I'm like, why can't these crazy and beautiful kids just make this relationship work? <laughs> like, come on, guys. Come on. You guys are too beautiful to not be together. Noah Please. and Rachel? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I want to know, Steve, how you felt when you saw them. They were sitting in the ambulance, and he's like, hey, you know, they said they're going to bury her next week and all right, this stuff. Right, and she's right. like, oh, I can't believe we made it through, blah, blah, blah. Like, how are you feeling at this point in the movie? I, I was on a high. I was like, this is this is." Did this you look at the runtime? <laughs> <laughs> no, he did no, not. No, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> you but fool. I did, I did feel like it was a good It was a good resolve to the end of the You're movie. Like, oh, You're like, oh, happy ending. Totally yeah. could have been. You could have I, turned it off right there, and you'd be it like, "Would have been fine." Good ending, would have been fine. Good ending. Yeah, I never saw the last ten minutes of Marley and Me. It was great. Movie. <laughs> um, oh, I, that was such a good dog. You're like, what a goofy dog. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was kind of strange that the movie, what I thought was ending at that point on such a high, that they decided to like good triumph sort of thing. You're like, that doesn't fit with the rest of no. this movie. So I was, I was glad that it kind of carried on past that and devolved again back into oh you were glad for the rest of the horror just felt more fitting it felt more fitting yeah because because you know um rachel is doing a lot of kind of loose end tying type Mm. speak yep well first of all noah's like oh that's so terrible little kid stuck in a well like how how long could you survive and relating to nothing yeah rachel just says for seven days you could survive for seven days like says who (laughs) why you know, what are you dying of? Um, if you have clean water, uh, you'd probably be dying of exposure. I think that you'd die of probably hypothermia. Right? Yeah. yeah. You wouldn't starve to death? You'd starve to death in like 18 days. Or assuming that the water was deeper at the time, you would drown. Good point. Um, Get exhausted. And, and maybe the water wasn't clean. But if the water wasn't clean. I don't clean, think that that's what would kill her. If the water wasn't clean enough to drink, you'd die in like three days. Oh, got some dysentery. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then just, <laughs> then just be like soaking uh, in on it. a loop. all in it. Oh, yeah. God. And you'd be drinking it. And... Oh, God, no. But uh, like, it's like, what the fuck do you know, Rachel? How yeah. do you know that? Well, I think she's just tying it all she's together. putting it together, yeah. And she's saying, oh, you know, she just wanted to be heard. She just wanted someone to hear her story. And and you're, you're hearing all these things that are like, like Steve alluded to, such a kind of tidy and almost heartfelt wrapping up. What about when Aiden's saying that she doesn't like... She doesn't like it in the dark place. She doesn't like it in the dark place. And the horses mm-hmm. keep her... Like, just some of the things that he was putting... Saying was very off-putting on her. So... I thought that he was... He had some connection to her. Yeah, that right? he was obviously connected. Like, how else do you He knew, oh, the little girl. And, yeah. and she was showing him images and all this. Like, they had a bit of a back and forth. Yeah. Unlike anybody else in the movie. And so... The next thing that happens after that scene with the ambulance is that Aiden wakes up beside Rachel in bed and she's, she's being affectionate and yep, and yep. she's very relieved. She feels like she just saved his life. Yep. And she says, you know, oh, don't worry. We were able to help her. <laughs> and he says, well, you weren't supposed to. Oh. So what did you think he meant by that? Because I have my theory on it. But what did what did you think when he said that? Oh, um, my uh, interpretation of it was just that he actually had the measure of it better than anyone else and realized that she was just pure evil. That's exactly my take. He knew, just like she told everybody, she's just here to hurt people. Mm -hmm. That's what she wants to do. She just loves stabbing. Yeah, (laughs) she she can't get enough. And Aiden's like, well, how are you going to help this girl? Like, all she wants to do is hurt people. Well, and like, don't. Help her to what end? She's bad. She's evil. Right. You helped her? Yeah. 
Why did you do that? What's wrong, honey? You weren't supposed to help her. It's okay now. She's not gonna hurt you. She... Don't you understand, Rachel? And she sees then Rachel Rachel pulls up the sleeve and sees that he has the same handprint. So clearly he's in the same He's in the, the same cycle as her. as her. And so basically Aiden kind of sees that by making tapes and by showing people and passing it along, they're hurting more people. And that's what Samara wants, right? But Steve, then we get the scene where Noah's in his loft. Right. So tell me about this. Tell me about this scene and, and maybe break it down a bit for us, because this is one of the like all timers. And this is what this movie kind of it's the climax. It's what it was all building to. Right. So with with the, the static again, starting on the TV, I was like, oh, OK, all right, we're ramping back up again, because at this point, like I said, I thought the movie was still on its way oh, back down. Yeah, I thought it was clear, safe on that one. And that really caught me caught me off guard. Like I thought he was. He was in the clear to help the girl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everything's good. She wanted yeah. to be happy. And then with Aiden saying, you know, you know, you weren't supposed to help her. It's like, oh, okay. That's weird. Maybe setting up a sequel here. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and then with with Noah there, the way that he went out. Um, yeah, it, was, it, it worked. It, it, it was scary. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. What did you think when, uh, so we see her come out of the well. And this is like the furthest it's gone. Yes. So we see her walking towards. And then what did you think when she kind of broke the threshold of mm. between behind the screen and, and, you know, in the real world? Yes. That, I, I, I <laughs> That's got, I iconic got, for sure. I got goosebumps here again. As and she's like doing the crawling and it shows like from the floor. It just looks so good. When the fly came through when he was watching the video the one time, mm-hmm. that, was, that, was that, that was enough. And then <laughs> she's walking through. It's still that like weird look of the movie. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't, She's it, still like it, it doesn't look yeah, like she, she's. Yeah, that's right. Very she's true. right there. It's like she's in the movie walking right towards. And, and mm-hmm. she like phases at one point. She's like back there and then she's here and yeah. she falls yes. down. Right? It, like, it, it so looked cool. really, really well done. Oh, it's such a great yeah, scene. Yeah, you're right. It does. That it's effect holds pr- up. I don't know if it was practical or digital, but however they did it. At what point, Steve, then did you know I'm not safe anymore? I thought I was. <laughs> but <laughs> That it's going bad. Probably the static. Yeah. yeah okay. That, that's mm-hmm. when. Yeah, that makes sense. It, 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 it called back to the beginning of the movie with, Static being the first thing, trying to turn the TV off. Exactly. So that they brought up that trope enough that it's like it's really what you associate this movie with, right? Is a, TV, is a TV kicking on with static, and now I'd be terrified to see that at all hmm. because I am constantly consuming media and it just <laughs> never ends. Never. Right. The TV <laughs> yeah. never turns. Like if yeah. I want to keep it watching TV, ends. there's something else coming up, right? So just seeing static would scare the shit out of me <laughs> now. A friend that I work with was saying that for years after he first watched the movie, a static on a television would just scare him relentlessly. Mm -hmm. So creepy. And then they wrap it up by, you know, Rachel is able to put it together that what actually happened, the reason that she was spared, because she says like, what did he do that I didn't? After she throws the tape into her gas fireplace and just kind of lights it up, like probably a lot of bad smoke going on. Mm -hmm. um, She realizes that it's the copy she made. She made a copy she and made someone around. watch it. It's like a haunted chain mail. Yes, I was going to say chain mail. Chain yeah. mail, wow. You know, a, you send yeah. that to 10 friends or else you'll have bad luck, you know? 
And so True. she then makes Aiden, she's taking Aiden's very limp little hand and pushing in the tape, pushing yeah. the button. He definitely and, doesn't have much agency over this no, copy making. No. So yeah, I don't know if Samara will Hopefully accept Samara it. will, yeah. She's like, eh, I don't know. We're already then, let this one fly. <laughs> yeah, he's like, well, this, you got the spirit of it. Yeah. Uh, but then we get, I think Aiden is, is right on because we get kind of one of the closing scenes. He's like, who are we going to show this to? Mm. Right? He says, what happens to the people that we yes. show this to? And he she stares says nothing. at the camera. It goes to static. And then I was terrified. Oh, yet again. Yeah, that that's, is exactly how it is. And it just keeps going that. and the static gets louder. Like they pull a little yeah, it's like, creepy trick. We're there. obviously the one that watched it. So we're next. Just like you said, you do have, you leave this film with the sense that, that you, you might have done the same thing that they did. Okay. <laughs> for our audience, Steve's hairs are definitely oh, raised. Got bad yeah, I, think, I think we need like a goosebump cam. Goosebump, I need a meter. Oh, it's bad guys. <laughs> Um, and when I was watching this, I was amazed to find, cause I love Naomi Watts. I think she's fantastic. I think she's wonderful. Also, she's a friggin' scream queen. Okay. Because she's, she's in this, she's in the ring. She's in the ring too. She's in Mulholland drive. Two. There is right. a ring too. She's in Mulholland yeah. drive. She's in the, the remake of funny games. She's in mm-hmm. dream house. She's in the remake of good night. Mommy. She's also in twin peaks and a children of the corn sequel. That's like eight horror that, movies. That's a lot. Right? So I'm like, oh my God. She All right, clearly well, loves she's just the genre. Been, she's just been crowned Scream Queen. I hope that she listens. Even more respect to Naomi Watts. If you're an actor that does a horror movies, like mm-hmm. the way you're saying it feels to me like they like they almost catch flack for doing a lot of horror movies. But I feel like, oh, like if you're a, on the era. I'll if tell you're a my perspective actor, on it. You can do comedies all day and that's, yeah. just, that's what you do. That's what you're, you're a funny guy. You do funny movies. If you're a, a scary I don't know, not a scary actor, but you give off that aura. Or like, you're why good would you at not it. just lean into it? Well, my perspective is this. It's the same as the elevated horror versus whatever. Like, we don't need the term elevated horror because horror is good and horror is bad, right. according to me. Yeah. Right? But it's almost like uh, a metal band, mm-hmm. and some bands don't want to be called a metal band. Right. Right? And, and so... I love it when an actor's like, yeah, I love the genre and I love acting in the genre. You will find sometimes that um, there are actors who kind of come up in horror and then leave it and don't come back. Okay. Or there are some people who don't speak super highly of their experience working, you know, acting in horror movies. Right. Okay. Or they clearly don't put it in the same category as other work they've done. Or they get to a certain level of fame and then they don't want to go Don't back. have to do it anymore. Yeah. Same as like, you Something know. they graduated from. Almost. Okay. So you cut your teeth in your horror movies yeah, and... Yeah, yeah. So we would find, I would find that like kind of like a spit in the face, not, not to say anything bad about any actor, no, no, but, no. but you know what I mean? I'm like, well, you know, if you were in a horror movie, own it. Like it's a, it's a good genre. People don't need to shit on it. You know what I mean? Exactly. So I wanted to talk about just because I did bring up depression earlier. Mm-hmm. So this is a film to me that just kind of reads depression from start to finish. And I think a lot of it is just to do with people's affect, with the way they're acting mm. and with the mood of the movie in general. So I was wondering, kind of, for people who might not be familiar with the term, with the diagnosis, and there's a multitude of diagnoses within the umbrella of depression as well, Mm -hmm. but kind of what would you describe as being the difference between being sad and being depressed? Well, that's an interesting question. As you say that depression is an umbrella term in terms of clinical diagnoses, I would say that the difference between sadness and major depressive disorder mm-hmm. is enormous sure. um, because it depression is in the name major depressive disorder but 
sadness and depressed mood is not the whole picture. And for some yeah. people, it's not even the first thing that you notice. Right. Um, there's a huge number of symptoms that go into it, and it's not only about your mood. I agree, and I'm glad you say that. Because people might think, well, depression is being sad. But there are some people who would get a diagnosis of depression and they wouldn't have described themselves as sad all the time. But they no. might be feeling listless. They might be feeling like they can't get out of bed. They're empty. exhausted. They're empty. They're feeling hopeless. And they didn't identify, oh, I'm sad all the time. But they still meet and the even, criteria for depression. Irritable. Sure. Like it Angry can, too. It yeah. can manifest in, in different ways. And yeah, depressed mood or sadness or depression might not even be the first thing that they describe themselves. Yeah. So I feel like not that it's a misnomer because it is appropriate, but that sometimes people might latch on to the term depressed within like major depressive disorder and think that that's the whole picture. But it's very much uh, not. Uh, it's much bigger than that. And we do use it colloquially too which is a problem mm -hmm. where we're like, oh man, you know, they just, they just discontinued my favorite kind I'm of cereal. So I'm so depressed, right? The <laughs> uh, same with anxiety too. Like we, we kind of use that word, um, but anxiety is different because anxiety is a feeling, right? Mm -hmm. Depression is its own thing. It's not the same as being sad because it's a diagnosis. So I've got here some of the kind of key criteria from the DSM and I'm not going to read them all off, but depressed mood most of the day, nearly every day, as indicated in uh, reporting by the person, diminished interest in pleasure, um, or almost all activities, things like weight loss and, and disruption of my eating, insomnia or oversleeping. And basically, these symptoms and happening consistently and over a period of time. Mm -hmm. So most of the depression type screening tools you might use might say in the last two weeks, in the last month because mm -hmm. it wants to say like not just today not just right mm -hmm. now and a lot of times when it comes to feeling sad there might be a trigger right you might have a reason you're feeling sad mm -hmm. and sadness isn't something that we should try to avoid it's important when we have something in our life that's bringing that sadness on it kind of can help us to process some of that stuff but if it's holding on and it's not related to a particular trigger and it's lasting a long time and the key factor you can't live your life Mm -hmm. You know, you can't live your life the way you want to because the depression is disrupting that. Yeah, That's when you're going to get the diagnosis Talk more likely, the right? Yeah. Functioning, functioning. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The, saying the sad every day, like that's, you say depression, that's the first thing that, that pops into my mind. But right. some of the other things you're saying, yeah, it makes, it, it makes sense. Doing a little self-inflection there got me a little, little, <laughs> uh -oh. little, 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 little nervous on a couple of things. But, you no. owe us both $120. Yeah, no, this is on the clock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, you know, that's one of our goals with this podcast. Like, there's a lot of um, just really interesting things about mental health that, that not everybody knows. And, and it's a bit of a nuanced kind of look at some of these things. But a lot of times you'll hear us talking about functioning. So, mm -hmm. you know, everybody has anxiety, for, for example. Everyone mm -hmm. gets nervous. It's important. If I'm not nervous about that little water spot on the ceiling of my home, then why am I going to go fix it? Right. Yeah. Then, then maybe you don't have, yeah, maybe your roof falls in someday. Yeah. Yes. But if I'm so anxious that, that my roof's going to fall in every day that I can't go to work, then that's very different. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. That was the one that was really eye opening when you, when you guys first had that discussion was the, like the severity of it. Like you said, that's everybody right. has anxiety. Everybody has bad days, but it's just mm -hmm. the, how far you let it affect you. It's just something I'd never, just never thought of it. It's mm -hmm. not in my field. And it was, eye-opening every time i listen to this podcast the mental health side of it's very eye-opening yeah. to me and i, I mm. 
really enjoy it. Well, Much and I, I'm so glad that you say that because I think that uh, John and I would both say that goals of this podcast, like besides having a great time talking about the movies that we love and uh, the subject matter that we love in terms of mental health, would be to destigmatize and demystify some mental health topics. That's right. Because I do think that as much as things are changing and the public knows more and more about it, I think um, as yep. time goes on. Trending in the right direction. Trending in the right direction. I I still wish that, uh, that people knew more. And if we could um, reach some people and give some people some information to yeah help a person or help themselves, that would be what we want to do. All the better. Yeah, good point. And, you know, we're not experts either. We are immersed in this work and uh, we love talking about it, but... We're certainly not infallible. Sure. And we don't know everything, but we are passionate about our work and we take it extremely seriously. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And these are all, believe me, <laughs> topics that we will expand on in the future. Depressions. Because they just come we up and up and up. We could have a thousand episodes about depression and, and not cover it all. Um, but we, we will happily speak about these issues in the future as well. Um, so Steve, just any kind of thoughts, what's going to stick with you about this movie? What's going to stick with you about this experience that we've been through watching the ring together? Well, I was saying to, uh, to Jenna earlier that I really feel like watching the ring is like, I got like a scout's badge. Like I can put it on, like I can wear it with pride. Yes. I saw the ring. That's one of, one of the ones, the modern ones Like yeah, you said that for are, our generation. I, I think. would say, and it's a bit of a modern classic in my opinion. Everyone that I've talked to about this experience and said that I was watching the ring, they were all excited for me. Cause I, <laughs> there's a few people that I work with that are avid listeners of the show as well, that I nice, gave them the you. insight to as to what I was doing tonight. And uh, <laughs> I told them the movie and all that kind of stuff. I have what's, one the, what's the one of their names? We'll shout them out. Uh, Quinton. <laughs> Quentin, Quentin, thank you so much, buddy. We appreciate that. And uh, thanks for kind of walking Steve here through it, too. <laughs> oh, he's uh, the, who I have to bounce all my movies off because I'm that's right. I'm not going to I, I don't want to watch the trailer of these movies. I don't want I, I don't want any of the, the scares to right. pre scare me. I just I can take word of mouth. I think that's that fine. That, I think that's great. Cold read. Yeah. And just everyone being like, oh, yeah, it's terrifying. Oh, it's so scary. I remember this. I remember that. It's just building for me. It's like, okay, this is great. So which one wins out when you lay your head on the pillow? Mm, what's most likely to intrude your your psyche? I, I, I think the ring just because ah. I feel like the ring was maybe set up more to be like typical scary. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah um, I agree with, with you. With it's like much less stylized, I think. The scares in the face. Yeah. Very straightforward. Like that in between that and my fan making the exact same <laughs> noise. Like that, that yeah. one's... You At least right the, now, yeah. Do you have a scariest scene as well? Start, start to finish. like you got, <laughs> okay. The whole like, thing. I, I, I was on edge for the whole Very thing. Very good answer. Very good. When he's first, or when he's buying the package of cigarettes in the store and looks up mm. um, into the television and he's got the yeah, the creepy face-itis. You or, knew it was after him. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was a bad one. <laughs> that one was. But like you said, the things that maybe aren't typically scary, they still... Like they work because I haven't seen the movie quite as many times as you guys. It's just, just a like, creepy, off-putting, unsettling. I was movie. gonna yeah. say, what to you is the scariest moment? Because I've already said mine. Oh well, it's still for me. It's when she's in Richard Morgan's home, and all of a sudden right. he's there, and yeah. he's when he just, shows up behind her when she's watching the tape. He's just so scary, and when she's chasing up the stairs, like it makes me so uncomfortable and scared. Mm -hmm. So that would be for me. What about you, Jenna? Does oh, a yeah. different my, one stick out? My scary, scariest moment is Amber Tamlin's face dead in the nice. closet. I love that one too. That moment is the scariest for me. Yeah. Sticks with me the most. Okay. Well, Steve, we want to say thank you to you thank so you much. Thank you so much for having me again. I really, I really enjoyed it. I feel like maybe next time, like since I feel like yep. everyone 
is always going to die in every scene. I need, hmm. I need like maybe a gory one or something. We could do that. Something like oh, that. Or like they actually do. We Everyone do does die. Wow. We will think about it. Yeah, well. Perhaps. Hey, you guys, you guys are the experts. I watch when I. Uh, when yeah, I'm, we're, we're your sommeliers, okay? <laughs> to have a nice curated horror movie selected for me, you know. Not many people are this lucky. <laughs> well, you know, we really appreciate you putting yourself. Yeah, this is like a couture experience. For yes, you. putting yourself through some suffering for the benefit of our podcast. And we know these are popular episodes for us too. So thank you very much. On that note of gratitude, we would be so grateful to anyone who has the time and the will to give us a rating. Five stars, please. And thank you. That really helps to get this podcast out there, to help us find the audience, to hopefully further some of these discussions about the movies we love and about mental health. And we find ourselves, like so many people, at the mercy of an algorithm. So your participation with likes and comments and, you know, mail at the fear response podcast at gmail.com. All of it helps, guys. So we really would appreciate any of that. Yeah, we would really love to read any comments or reviews. And we have received some contact through the Gmail and really, really appreciated it. It was really fun for us. What a thrill it was. Um, and we felt like we had reached our um, audience. that we were Our peak. <laughs> we felt like we could quit. So that was very satisfying and it uh, and super exciting because we are we are new to this. So again, anything that you guys could do in terms of uh, rate, review, subscribe, like any kind of interaction with us, we truly do appreciate it and it's really fun for us. So yes, thank you. Have Jenna. the time. That's right, and it's much appreciated, guys. And on that note, uh, Steve, why don't you sign us off for the listeners? Well, thank you very much for listening this week. I know I certainly had a blast watching the movie. It was a great conversation with you here, John and Jenna. I always look forward to it and uh, hearing about the mental health and just something I'm not uh, a part of all the time. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so, you know, as good as we think we are at being like, look at this mental health theme, look at this mental health theme. There was an interior shot of Rachel driving the car and it showed like the window frame kind of. And he's like, that's an old I'm Jetta. Like, I, I, oh, in my head, so I'm like, I, I, I used to drive one. I'm like, that's an old four-door Jetta. And then it pulled out and it was just a, an old Jetta I driving down the road. <laughs>